into business. I got my wild cherry diet Pepsi, and uh, I got my blackjack gum here, and I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Don't shake hands. Brothers gotta hug. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. Oh, you! As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? Drinking heavily. Put that coffee down. Calling this calls for the old Billy Barul. That's a huge bitch. The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? Yippee ki motherfucker. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Nuclear Geek Graphics. Nuclear handcrafted designs of nostalgic horror. Have such sights to show you. Wrestling. You, Hulk Hogan, must self-destruct. Retro cartoons and entertainment. A fellow chucker, eh? Portraits, customized posters, fan posters, and so much more. NuclearGeekGraphics.com Art makes us human. Going back to the 80s tonight, y'all. All the way. Here we go. Goddamn Bon Jovi's fucking great, isn't he? Anyway, what is going on, everybody? It is Saturday night. It is Hollywood Hangout, so thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we are going back to the 80s tonight. 
Anthony, what is going on, sir? What's going on, bruh? <sighs> it feels like I just talked to you Wednesday. Oh, I did. <laughs> yeah, we also dropped a, a bonus episode. Yes. Last week for the fine folks, so please check that out uh, in the archives. Not something we're going to do all the time, but when the mood hits us and it's a lot of interesting shit going on, you can expect a pop-up episode. Yeah, and there was a lot of... Uh, lot of- not a, not a lot, but there was some news. There was some there 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 was some mermaids. There were some some uh, Bond characters we had to go through. Again, blame your media for the Bond characters, bastards. Racist, yeah, racist mermaids and uh, oversized man children. Yes, definitely. People who did not read the article is is. This is the problem with headlines, man. People need to really read those articles before they start chatting at the mouth. But, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, quick shout out, of course, always to Yakuza Kick Radio and Wrestling OD and Nuclear Heat Graphics, Nuclear Heat Graphics, Nuclear Heat Graphics.com. Quick shout out to the, uh, Wrestling's High Marks hanging out in here with us tonight. Appreciate that, guys. Um, and I think that's about it. Anyone else? You got anyone? No? All right. Let's move no. on then. <laughs> All right, we are doing um, we're doing Mr. Mom tonight, nineteen eighty three movie. Uh, I gotta tell you, I love this movie. This is really a favorite of mine. I've probably watched this movie over a hundred times, easily, easily over a hundred times. It's. One of my mom's favorites. It's one I she watched it. You know, we had the the VHS. Shit, we had the beta. <laughs> we had the fucking beta, dude. Jesus. <laughs> I I don't think I've actually ever seen one of those. It it was it it it's, looks the same as a v, as a VHS tape. It was just smaller. Oh, it was like an inch around smaller, which is why I thought they would make it. But what they didn't do is they never made a. Higher, well, first of all, they never adjusted their quality. Their quality stayed the same with beta, which is one reason it failed. The second reason is they never made a long play. Oh, since we're on the subject of old school things, mm-hmm. Fox, do you remember the, uh, oversized, uh, <laughs> I call them oversized DVDs, mm-hmm. but they were records back in the day. They were, they were basically laser discs. They were laser Did you ever had one of those? I did. I actually had one. Jesus, when was I with Kim? Probably like, let me see, like 2000, 2001, I had one of those. How did, did they still, uh, cause that was like, cause that came out what, late 80s, early 90s? I would say exactly. I'd, I'd say you're right with that. Actually, the quality was good. Actually, that was, I had some good movies on that. I had Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I had, um, Sleepwalkers. I had Bad News Bears. Oh. Um, how did those work exactly? Did they uh kind of work? Was it still similar to like a VCR or like a DVD that we know today? Like how how did that actually work out? Because I'm I'm try- I'm interested in what the quality picture wise would have been back then. Mine like, was the the picture quality was good. It was actually very good. Um, obviously there's a reason they didn't make it. They were giant. You could you, a, a scratch. They could ha- they were pretty durable, but one scratch would totally fuck your movie up, and there was no way to do anything. But I had, I can't. Remember, I bought it at a yard sale. It, it the dude wanted it gave me the movies and everything for like twenty five dollars. 
Jesus. Yeah, I I picked it up and he he was like, I just don't want it no more. Um, I picked it up, I brought it home, it worked. Mine had the it it shot out like a like a old DVD player with the five disc. <laughs> yeah, is exactly what mine did. They did have a few though that lifted up like a record player and you put the thing in and then you played it. Yeah, <laughs> there were some of those. Video quality was decent, man. It's just you know something that big. I mean, albums made a comeback, so you never know. Laser discs might make a comeback, but I don't even know if you can buy them anymore anywhere. I don't see them anywhere. I mean, eBay. You can probably find them online, but probably will be more trouble than it's worth because then you got to get the equipment for it. You got to got to get all kinds of cores to like set it back up. It, it might be more trouble when it's worth to bring something like that back. Yeah, but I mean, you could make it HD now. They could do a lot with it if it did come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I I I had a I I had a laser disc, dude. I had a mini disc player. Did you ever get on that train? What did I have? No, I had the um, not not so much that, but um, I had the portable DVD players. I ran. I had a period of time where I went through those. Okay. And one. I remember remember the old school uh, mini TVs. Yes. Yeah, I I had a couple of those. And but I I had a mini now the mini discs were cool. They were they looked like the old floppy discs, but there was a little CD inside of them, a mini CD. Only downfall was to get your music on them. You had to record it like a cassette, so you had to listen to the songs, play them through. But I had I had one of those, and they were fucking badass, man. Those things would take a beating because they were in a plastic case. So you could throw those around, and I gave that away to somebody. I think I gave it to a girl. <laughs> I think I gave that to some chick, dude, if I'm remembering correctly. But, yeah, I I've, I've, I jumped on the old mini-disc train for a while. If you look those up, you'll be like, that was a thing. A lot of people didn't know about the mini disc players, but I had tons of them. So, and Best Buy was even selling mini discs for a while when they were popular. I mean, I had yeah, record, I had like Corn, the, the the Follow the Leader, mm-hmm. and shit like that. So you know that gives you the timing where when when it was around the late nineties. But I had one motherfucker. You know what's cool? I wish women could come back just you know for the kidding me. What? Uh, obviously, check the archives. We did Home Alone. Uh huh. I think I think at some point we need to do Home Alone too. It was it's underrated. Well, but, but mean, remember that remember the uh, t- uh tape recorder he had in there with the little spoke on it. It was silver. Yeah, I had one of those. That was amazing. Those little reel to reels. Yeah, those are cool, man. Those yeah, cool. you can get some good quality if you was taping things that you might have shouldn't have been taping. Yeah. <laughs> they had some good quality, some good pay, uh playback. <laughs> yeah, they had uh yeah, great quality for uh fucking snuff films. Um anyway, uh what's up weebs? Uh <laughs> great snuff film quality on those. Jesus Christ, going back to the movie 8mm now. Oish. But anyway, old stuff, all 80s, so, some 80s stuff, cool stuff going around, but uh I don't know, man. It, it, it is cool to see what makes a comeback and what doesn't. I mean, 80s clothes are kind of making a comeback. Yeah, man. hopefully not for too long. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's I just. Want, I want parachute pants to make a comeback. Those things are fucking comfortable in the summer, dude. Uh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> while, while, while we're on it, 
while we're on this, uh, you know, trends that need to come back. So, um, I went down the, uh, rabbit hole of YouTube Ooh. with, with some, uh, wrestling clips earlier. Ooh, that's scary. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, you just watch one quick clip and it turns into uh, other things. Mm-hmm. So I found myself watching some, uh, old school NWO clips. And, uh, you and Shaheen, in my opinion, at least for amongst our small little circle, brought back, uh, the, uh, Zubaz and the, uh, fanny packs. Yeah, man. Now, <laughs> I got a little slight update to that look that needs to come back as well. Uh huh. So picture this. It's 1999. Okay. You got, uh, Hulk Hogan. You got, uh, Kevin Nash. Mm-hmm. Rocking the fanny packs. Mm-hmm. But they got the jeans. And I think actually, um, Hogan might have been ha- had on a pair of FUBUs. Oh. Cause, cause you remember, Hogan, remember when Hogan went through that weird phase of like, uh, like, uh, like, I call him Thug Life Hogan. Yeah, okay. he had like the, he had like the skull caps on, the sunglasses. He was starting to wear baggy jeans and shit. Yep. See, <laughs> yeah. Can't wear FUBU anymore. That's, that's, that's cultural appropriation now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Box, did you please tell me you, you did that look at least once in your life? No. Pair of jeans, tight jeans. Tight. Tucked into the combat boots. Which, Never. by the way, fuck you if you do that. I, I've, I've always judged people. Never they tight jeans. Tuck their jeans in into their fucking combat boots. No, no. Never did that. Never did that. I've, I'm, I'm a, I've always been a loose fitting boot cut guy. You know, I, 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 that's just what I, I'm, I'm, I don't like tight jeans. Jeans get too tight on me. You know where I put them? The fucking garbage. That's what I do. I can't, I don't like tight jeans. Fuck that shit, dude. Yeah. And yeah, yeah that's, yeah. Speaking of something that should never have come back. The skinny jean phase. That is. Cause that basically tight jeans, that, that shit was out in the eighties, wasn't it? Um, and it got repurposed in this era with the skinny jeans. I, I really thought that the tight jeans just stayed in the cowboy era, like the, uh, like, 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 like rodeo and shit. Cause the cowboys always, that's what they were known for. The, there you go, weebs, the nut huggers. Um, that's that's exactly what the cowboys and the the real cowboys you know what i'm talking about the like i said the rodeo riders the the saddle bronc riders those guys but it 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 just sort of stayed here and now they're worse now they're they're really skinny jeans now like dudes are wearing jeans that look like they're just painted on it's like dude are you, are you even wearing anything I mean, it's it's it, i don't know man. i can't do that yeah, like, I'm old, I don't know. <laughs> I'm old and I need I need breathing room for my balls. I'm sorry. I've always felt like that. Like even briefs, even as a kid, I could never do briefs. I, a, I don't nope. understand how to. Yeah, I don't understand how briefs are still a thing. I'm a boxer. Yeah. Boxers. Yep. Boxers. See, we 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 agree on this. I'm I I I need room. I need air. Yeah, especially when yeah. I don't like my I don't like my I don't like my soldiers uh cramped up. In the bunker, you know yeah. what I mean. I just I need some breathing room, dude. Even when I even when I wore like shirts and ties every day, I always my slacks were always, you know, my dress pants were always the same style as my jeans. I made sure of it. Most of them were custom anyway, so I could just tell the guy what I wanted, but made it easier. But uh, you know, it, it, always nice loose fitting. You know, that's what I'm telling you, man. Parachute pants need a fucking comeback. Already got the Zubaz. I'll buy parachute pants, motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Since we're uh, 
since we just flashed back to the 80s, jumped to the old Wayback Machine, if you will, um, let's get into this movie a little bit. Uh, let's see. Mr. Mom, 1983, directed by Stan Dragotti, um, who's done a, not a ton of films, but a couple of films that uh, actually, Anthony, this will be the second one we've done of his. Uh, Necessary Roughness was another one. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yep, yep. Uh, She's Out of Control, another 1980s movie. Um, The Man with One Red Shoe, I've never seen. But he hasn't done a ton of stuff, um, a ton of things. He really only has seven directing credits. So he was a director. Now, the writer for this movie was none other than John Hughes. Yes, that John Hughes. Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, European Vacation, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Check the archives on Shout Engine for that. Uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Again, check the archives. Uh, Great Outdoors. Oh, my God, I love that movie. Uncle Buck. I mean, it, I, I can keep going. Home Alone, Career Opportunities. Uh, Jesus Christ. I mean, John Hughes did, it, it, you know, did this movie here. Um, now they asked him to be director. He honestly didn't really believe in this movie. He didn't wow. think it, he didn't think it would do well. Um, so he decided instead to not do this film. Um, another director was asked to do this film, Ron Howard, and he turned it down in order to do the movie Splash. That came out the year after this. Now, the funny thing is, the star of this movie here, Michael Keaton, turned down the movie Splash to do this movie. So you had one guy, Michael Keaton, the star, turned down the role. Ron Howard turned down this role to do Splash. And I got to be honest with you, Tom Hanks and John Candy in Splash was excellent chemistry. Jesus Christ, sometimes the star is just a line, right? Yeah, some things are meant. I always tell people that things are meant to happen the way they're supposed to happen. Yeah, because I mean, I can't. I could see. No, no, no. And and by the way, before we, I mean, Michael Keaton, absolute badass. One word, Beetlejuice. I mean, come on, Beetlejuice, fucking Beetlejuice. And then you have you have a plane landing behind you. Oh yes. I oh, do, actually. Okay. Hold on one second. That, that explains everything on why I, there you go. There you go. It's perfect now. I just, I just, oh shit. Oh shit. The plane landed, folks. It's landing. Oh, Jesus. All right. You good? Whoa. You good now? All right. Now I can't hear Anthony. Jesus Christ. Uh, yes. Beetlejuice, an amazing fucking movie. Absolutely. Uh, Michael, Michael Keaton, Sensible Sam, the best, absolute best Batman. Anthony still can't hear you, buddy. Um, but yeah, Michael Keaton was absolutely the best Batman. That's actually kind of how we got on track to do this movie. We started talking about best Batmans last week somehow. And, um, next thing you know, we're doing this movie. Um, but yeah, yeah, we all sorry about that, folks. Oh, there you go. No problem, man. Much better. Um, now we were just talking about Michael Keaton, best Batman, in my opinion. Um, now this wasn't his first movie for Michael Keaton. Um, 
he had done a couple of things before this, a little bit of a few TV roles, and he did a movie called Night Shift in 1982. Night Shift really is the movie that got him this movie role. 100%. And it's said in on IMDb more than one time. Uh, this was the first movie he was top billed in, though. So this was really a big movie for him, uh, career-wise. Um, and from Mr. Mom, uh, and he, you know, Mr. Mom is a lot like, Anthony, have you ever seen Gung Ho from 1986? Mm, no. Got a lot of similarities to this movie. He's a car maker, kind of goes through the same shit, gets fired. It's sort of a, a, a thing, but, um, right after this movie, he took the role in a, um, the same year Splash came out, he took the role for uh, Johnny Dangerously. Have you ever seen, please tell me you've seen Johnny Dangerously. I hate to disappoint you, Bugs, but I have not. Wow. I'm going to have to force you to watch that because I think you would absolutely love that movie. It's a comedy. It's a, it's a spoof on mafia, old, old school, like 30s, 40s mafia movies. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely know what you're talking about. And I, Actually, I think that's how uh, Paul Heyman came up with his part of the reason why he came up with his original name. Probably, and 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 by the way, just to just to push you over the edge to watch it, Joe Piscopo is in that movie. <laughs> I know that just sealed the deal. Get watching that now, Anthony. Michael Keaton was also in one of your move one of your favorite movies. You brought up one or two times on this show. One good oh no 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 wrong wrong movie. One good cop. That's not the same movie. I brought up one good cop a few times. Um, out of sight. Keep, I mean, Michael Keaton, but once again, l- let me just say once again, Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's probably, like I said, I would say between that and Batman, those are probably his top two ones that people will always go to as uh, one of his best. Absolutely. But a, one, a movie that's underrated, to me, in my opinion, that's similar to like Mr. Mom in the same vein, at least. Mm-hmm. Multiplicity. You ever see that one? Yes, I have him seen and I, that. Him and Gina Davis. Yes. Underrated flick. Definitely an underrated flick, man. Awesome. Awesome, though. Um, And then playing his wife, we have Terry Garr in this movie. Uh, underrated 80s hottie. She was already a little older. She'd been acting since 1963. I mean, she was even in an Elvis movie. She was in more than one Elvis movie, actually. Uh, let's see. She was a hotel guest in Fun in Acapulco. She was a dancer in Viva Las Vegas. She was in Kissing Cousins as a dancer. She was in Roustabout. And I think that's it for Elvis movies. Um, as far as Terry Gard, you know my <laughs> it's funny. You know, you, you brought up, you know, she was a dancer, she was this, she was mm-hmm. that, underrated hottie. You know my first introduction to Terry Gard as an actress? What? It was a little movie called Mom and Dad Save the World. Alright. I don't know if you ever saw it. Um, no, I haven't. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what the first movie I saw was with her in it. And I saw it in school. The Black Stallion. Ah. <laughs> they, they used to show us those at the end of the year. We'd see Black Stallion and usually Black Stallion Returns at the end of the year. We'd usually watch both in school. And, uh, I, I love both those. Have you ever seen, you probably haven't seen those. One's from 1979, the other is from 1983. Uh, probably not. But I want to real quick in the chat here. 
I want to give a shout out to a Chester Cheeseman. Mm-hmm. Yes, Desperate Measures. I haven't seen that in a while, but yes, that was a very, very underrated flick. Then I'll have to check it out. I'll have to check Keaton, it out. I don't know, man. I don't know whether it's the eyes, the face, but Keaton is an underrated bad guy. He really is. Dude, he plays a great psycho, man. Like, yeah, he just, just got that look. Some people just had that look. Yeah, he's got <laughs> that, that works. But he, he has that look like he could go off. And it wouldn't be good if he did. That's why I think he played Johnny Dangerously so good. Because, you know, he kind of played that character. But, um, I mean, yeah. yeah but uh, back to Terry Gar, Just, uh, yeah, that was the first movie I saw her in. And she was in a ton of movies. I mean, even at Tootsie back in the day with um, uh, Rain Man. It does, Dustin yeah, Hoffman. Hoffman. Thank you, sir. So, like I said, and, you know, she was a little older. I mean, she's still going and... Hasn't done anything since 2011, but uh, definitely has done a ton of movies. And he, I mean, Young Frankenstein from back in 1974, she was even in that. Um, now, we have the young kid Alex in this movie. And this is actually my NYPD Blue tie-in right here. He was in one episode of NYPD Blue. He played a uh, mentally challenged kid who liked to play the guitar and uh, ended up uh, going back to the hospital. But yes, yes, yes. Did not get arrested. But yeah, yeah. He's uh, but he's done a lot of things. You've probably have you, did you ever see Death Race? Uh, no, I didn't see that one. All right. You didn't see that. Uh, he was one of the wounded sailors in Pearl Harbor. Let me see if I can find anything else that you might know that he's been in. Let's go back. Oz. He was in Oz for a while. Yeah, I've caught a few episodes of Oz, so I probably did see him on that. All right. He was in Oz. He was, um, he was Schilling, Schill, uh, Schilling, Schillinger's, uh, son or nephew. I forget, but he was, um, the white supremacist guy. He was in that. But this kid, let me be honest here. He has 89 credits, and most of them are small TV roles, one or two episodes here and there. Uh, this, though, is one role that obviously was probably, his, I mean, this was his the second thing he ever did in 1983. And honestly, this was really, this was kind of his peak. Um, <laughs> I hate to say, I mean, he's, but he's, I mean, he's been on Law and Order. Like I said, NYPD Blue, obviously. He was in Oz. I do, I remember he wasn't in that many episodes, but he was on there for a good while. Uh, he's been on Cold Case. He's been on CSI, New York. It, just one of those, the mentalist. I haven't seen that one, but, um, he's got a bunch of things that still, you know, he's got a TV show that's coming out between now and somewhere between 2020 called Marissa Romanov. And he's in 10 episodes of that right now, which is usually a first season. So I guess we'll see what happens there. Hey, you know what? I mean, every, look, I put it to you like this. Everybody mm-hmm. can't be a star. But based off the rundown you just gave, he's had consistent work, which Definitely. is all, you know, he's a consistently working actor. So that's better than nothing. So he might not be like a star that people know mainstream wise, right. but hey, at least he's consistently working. Yeah. And the same thing with his brother, Kenny, the, the um, oof. Talison Jaffe, um, this guy has unbelievable credits under his name. Uh, actually, this well, he, he was a he was a kid in this movie, 
most of his stuff is video game voices, television voices, cartoon voices. But, I mean, he's doing stuff right now. He's in a, actually been on a TV series called Critical Role. You ever heard of that? No. What is, what is it on? I don't know. Let me pull this up here. See what we got. Critical Role. I don't think it's a USA TV show. How's that? It's from 2015. It's still going. Yep. He's in it. It's still going right now. 210 episodes so far. Doesn't tell a lot. A live weekly show where a band of professional voice actors improvise role play. And okay, it sounds like a whose line is it anyway type of show. Oh, wait. While they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, someone fucking kill me, please. Uh, I didn't catch that till the end. All right. <laughs> Off to Martin Mull, um, who plays who who plays Ron Richardson in this movie, Anthony. That's and, 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 no, no, yeah. no, not why I wanted to do the movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. But no, we we have to uh, dedicate a little time to uh, Martin Mall, man. Oh, because yeah. this guy is so fucking. He's criminally underrated. You know, I kind of put him in the same category as a uh, Eugene Levy. Okay, he's been in a ton of things. Yep. But he could, but he kind of flies under the radar. Yeah. And at least Eugene Levy has like the American Pie to kind of hang his hat on because even though he he he's done more than that and he's been funny, just as funnier in other things. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like what he'll always be known for. He'll always be Jim's dad. Right. But uh, Martin Maul, man, that guy is. <laughs> I especially loved him uh, on uh, Roseanne. Mm. Absolutely. He was the boss. Yeah. He was, <laughs> he was the gay boss. Yeah. Which fit him well because he actually is in real life. So it fit him just perfect. Um, yeah. This guy has been acting since. 1976 and just so many things i mean he was he, he did it he was in miss doubtfire uh like anthony said roseanne since then he's he was sabrina the teenage witch he was in 73 episodes we can keep going and going with this guy I, it's like it doesn't stop oh my god it doesn't stop it just i mean arrested development the cool kids i'm sorry the ranch that tv show on um Netflix he's in, the first season, I believe. Jingle All the Way. Clue. He was Colonel Mustard in Clue. That's another movie we got to get to at some point. At some point we will. Um, and one of the wives in here is it was a very famous actor from the 60s. And she had taken 20 years off and then decided to do this movie. That's Ann Gillian. She plays uh, Joanne, the... Uh, the slut in the movie, I would, I would, I would say. Oh, the one with the tits, huh? Yes, the one with the boobies. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And the last, uh, well, there's actually a couple more here. I definitely want to, we did have a small appearance here from Christopher Lloyd. Did you know, you did notice, right? Yeah, I'm, I was surprised he was credited because he really wasn't in the movie too much. Dude, this was, this was early in his, I mean, I know he had already come off of, you know, a few things here, but this was pretty early in his career still. I mean, I mean, he did Taxi, though. I mean, this was, was right after. This was right after Taxi. Literally, like, right after Taxi ended. Wow. Yeah. 
So he had definitely got a bunch of things under his belt. I don't know why they had him in here for such a short time. He literally was in there for, I'd say, five minutes total. I yeah, would, I would but, say. But uh, I love that was disappointing. Lloyd. That was disappointing, though. Like you got Christopher Lloyd on set, you know, a couple. Of, I mean, come on, man, that was a waste. Yeah, but I I do like Christopher Lloyd, so we definitely had to mention him. Um, let's see what were the other two I wanted to mention in this movie. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor. Definitely had to mention Jeffrey Tambor. He's another one you've seen, Arrested Development. He was um, Mayor Augustus Who in uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey version. He's been in Hellboy. This is another guy. You've seen him in so many. I believe he was in um, Three's Company, The yes. Ropers, Three the Crab. I mean, the, he's like, he plays a great asshole. He really he does. does. Wasn't he in the um, uh, Larry David show? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. That's where most people probably know him from. But uh, yeah, this guy has done a ton of shit and still doing shit today. Still doing shit today. Um, so you know he's keeps going. He's done a lot of t- a TV series also. Um, like I said, Arrested Development. He's done eighty four episodes of it already. He's in Starverse, The Forces of Evil, which just ended last year. So the guy's still acting today, and he plays the boss in the movie. He doesn't have a huge role in the movie, but being this is a John Hughes movie. We do get a quick guest starring role from Edie McClurg. She is a checkout clerk in this movie. She was in Planes, Trades, and Automobiles. She was the um, airline, um, God, what do they call those? Cashiers, I guess you would call them. Um, she, sh- she was in Ferris Bueller as the principal, the principal's assistant. She shows up in pretty much every John Hughes movie somehow, somewhere. We did talk about her in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but I wanted to jump in and mention her anyway. She does have a quick cameo in this movie as per John Hughes style. There you go. I think we're done with the actors finally. Yes. Yeah. There we go. We're done with the actors. Um, Now, this also was a movie produced by um, Lauren Schuler and Aaron Spelling, Tori Spelling's father, was one of the uh, producers on this movie. This was an early movie for him, too. So, And yeah, Weebs, I was just getting to that. $64.8 million at the box office. I'll bet this movie still makes money today. It's still a great fucking movie, man. Yes. Um, Aaron Spelling in the 80s, he had quite the uh, interesting career. I mean, obviously... He's pro- his most famous project is probably uh, Beverly Hills 90210. Exactly. But he also has a, the distinction mm-hmm. or the infamy, depending on how you want to look at it, of uh, producing and directing Lucille Ball's very last sitcom, uh, yeah. Life with Lucy, the, the short-lived uh, show on ABC. Mm-hmm. The first and only show she ever did outside of CBS. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, now. You want to know something, though, Anthony? The premise for this movie is actually true. John Hughes actually was telling a story about this, how he had to look after his kids when his wife was gone for a few days. One of the producers found it hilarious. And then, bingo, they they wrote the film, and he still didn't believe in it. Maybe because, I don't know, maybe it's because, what do you think that is, though? I mean, maybe because it wasn't his baby, it wasn't something that... 
he conceptualized himself? I don't know. But I mean, this was the I mean, this was only his second feature film. So maybe he was a little gun shy to do this. Or I don't know. Maybe he just maybe he thought the premise wasn't enough to carry the whole movie. Because I mean, don't get me wrong. Mr. Mom is a classic, but it kind of plays like something you would see on a sitcom. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, half hour, 20 minutes. Do you, do you think they had, you know, just being objective. I know you said this is one of your favorite movies, right? Right, right, right. But do you th do you think that the script, what they what you actually saw in the movie for an hour and a half, right? Do you think they had enough material to stretch it out for a full movie? Did you I, ever feel like the movie dragged at certain points? I didn't think so. But, I mean, again, this was a movie I was, you know, 10 years old when, uh, no, I mean, I was 8 years old when this came out watching it with my mom. So I do just have a little, it's one of those movies. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. The next year, 1984, a television movie version of this was made, and it had a different cast, different crew, except John Hughes wrote it, and the same director directed it. And let me guess, it probably lasted one season. Yep. And they didn't air, they didn't even air every episode. Yep. Yet. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but it's like... Well, and you know what? One of the reasons, one of the reasons John Hughes gave is because he wanted this movie to be in Chicago. Mm -hmm. This movie actually wasn't filmed in Detroit. Most of it was filmed in Hollywood. Um, but they make it Detroit and he wanted to film it in Chicago. Like all of his other movies are filmed in Chicago. We do know that. You, you know what's crazy to me? What I think could have worked as a sitcom, but it could, it, it couldn't have been on, uh, network TV. It would have had to be on like an HBO, which coincidentally was around in the eighties, around this time period. What? What would have worked perfectly as a sitcom? The Breakfast Club. Yeah. I'm a little surprised no one ever picked up on that because of the popularity of it, but they yeah. never did. You, 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 you could have did like a whole like origin story with that, with those guys. Oh yeah, like how how they kind of met, how they kind of came to be. Mm -hmm. You could have dug into uh, Bender's a uh, home situation. Like right. it, it was so that man. That's actually something they can still do today. Netflix, Hulu, get on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is actually this was Aaron Spelling's third movie, and it actually he he says the reason he wanted to do this is because. Back in the nineteen eighty in nineteen eighty three, he couldn't find a good movie to take his kids to, so he made one. Kind of crazy, <laughs> kind of crazy. But uh, there you go. Oosh. Um, now for the f the role of you, you want to hear some crazy shit? You ready for this? Yes. Okay. Up for the role of Ron Richardson, Martin Mull's character. Dabney Coleman, Jack Nicholson, and Burt Reynolds. Mm. No, <laughs> none of them would have done as good. Uh, uh, I, I mean, Burt Reynolds, no. And, you know, rest in peace, Burt. But no, he, I don't know. He was too much of a, I don't know. He was too much of a badass, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Keaton was a badass, but he, he has, he also has that, he had that family man vibe about him. Yeah. I don't know. I never, I, Burt Reynolds, even in his, in his older years, I never got that vibe of this guy's a family man. Yeah. Now, a ton I, of people, a ton of people were up for the role of Jack Butler. You want to, oh, wait for this. Chevy Chase, Michael Douglas, 
Steve Martin, of course, Travolta, Robin Williams, and John Goodman all considered for the role of Jack Butler in this movie. Of Michael Keaton's character. Out of everybody you just named, uh, John Candy would have been fun. Uh, John Goodman. Not John oh, Candy. Oh, John Goodman. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Steve Martin would have been decent at this one, but uh, this role screamed exactly what, and I think that this might be why he got the movie Gung Ho after it, but this screamed Michael Keaton, dude. This was perfect yeah, for him. Yeah, absolutely. And Chevy Chase would have been just god awful. He's, he's too much of a dick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? I, yeah, no. Yeah. Even when he is the good guy in the flick, he just has, I don't know. Chevy Chase has always had a punchable face to me. Yeah. Very dickish. Yeah. Very dickish, dude. Yeah. yeah. Now, I wish they had brought, got John Candy for this role. That would have been great, but uh, that ain't happening. Um, now, this was a, this movie here was kind of a cycle that happened in the 80s where there was a few films that kind of just had daddies doing the mommy work. We had this movie. We had Baby Boom, Three Men and a Baby. Obviously, Three Men and a Baby had another one. So it just kind of was a whole thing. And even the TV shows, you know, you had what was like My Two Dads and shows that were just showing the men doing the work of the women. So it was kind of a thing in the 80s. And even the early 90s, it was the same kind of thing. Yeah. So just the way it went man that was hey and yeah, i don't know comedy i mean comedy and i don't know do you like i mean <laughs> i'm glad you brought this up mm-hmm. um as far as like you know they had the uh basically the men taking on a role of women taking right. care of the household right and obviously they played up play play it up for laughs of course but you know how like, everything is about you know nowadays it's like everything's about the women's movement everything's about women can do anything a man could do mm-hmm. by the same token isn't it kind of sexist to, uh, you know, the way they played it, at least initially, that when a woman isn't around to do the housework, that a man is just completely incompetent, that he can't he can't boil water without burning it. I, as a man, I was offended that I was offended for the first 25 minutes of this movie because they tried to portray that Michael Keaton was an idiot who couldn't do the basics, couldn't do the bare basics of household work. Yeah, but we got a Rocky montage part of this movie. You heard that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, got yeah, the yeah. Rocky I, I, music. I was disappointed. Oh. You know, we'll get to it, but I, I was disappointed in Keaton's lack of uh, Rocky knowledge. I, I was disappointed. <laughs> I think it was in the movie, but we'll go ahead. Um, you know what? Let's just start it up. Like I said, it's not a very long movie, about an hour and a half movie. But I will tell you right now, this Absolutely, like I said, one of my favorites. Great movie, some great lines in here. Um, and Fox, look- before you go any further, you got to play the opening. That 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 that, that opening little jingle screams eighties. Oh. And anybody okay. that you know is from that era, like even just just the little things, the music when they would take that little commercial break. That this that opening just screamed quintessential eighties. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what? I think I'm right there here. <laughs> oh, listen to that saxophone. Listen to that shit. All right. I'm not going to play because it's just music and 
you know, it shows them it's just waking up first morning, getting ready Easy. to go to work. Um, yeah. For a second, I thought we were we were about to review. <laughs> for a second there, I thought we were about to review Family Ties. Close enough, man. Jesus Christ! Uh, but you know, we got Terry Gar getting up and getting the kids ready, and then she's uh, then she's gonna wake up old hubby. Of course, gotta gotta wake up the husband, and of course, the wife asks the husband the the question that every wife asks her husband in the morning. Oh, me. Oh, never better. Like a lock. Good, because your shower's ready. Oh, thanks. There you go. He lies. He says he slept great. We'll get to that part in a few minutes. Um, he actually is so tired, he gets into the shower with his jogging pants on. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. He throws them over. Uh, you know, wife waking up the baby, getting the kids ready. Um, and, of course, these kids are usual little shits. Like every other friggin' kid. Um, you know, and of course the one kid just goes, he, uh, one kid offers to wake up the other. Now we do need to mention right here, this is where we find out about the whoopee security blanket of Kenny. Because that'll be important later, and I will play that part because that's a very heartwarming part. Plus Michael Keaton's great in it, of course. Um, but we'll go ahead, wake up the kids. We're going to go right to breakfast. It's the usual, I wouldn't say usual, it's it's what the portrayal of the usual family breakfast, the, the dad going to work, you know, comes down, getting breakfast with the kids, telling dad jokes. Yeah, but I, I'm sure this is the part where Box, yeah, he said, yeah, uh-huh. I am now that guy. Oh, I've been doing it. Dude, the funny thing is, I've had this job. I've been out of work, watched the kids during the day. I did this for a while. Matter of fact, when my my oldest one was six months old, I got laid off from my job. So I act exactly I had a I was watching him. And then when we had both of them here for a while, she was working. I was not working. I was working yes. from home a little bit. So I've done this shit, man. It's fucking a nightmare, dude. Especially when they're yeah. oof. Ooh, it's a yes. nightmare. And uh, if you once again, I pay attention. You pay attention. To, this is what I love about movies. I love the detail, right? The details and the continuity. So you see, when he comes to the table, right? Right. Right off the bat, you know, I'm looking at the body language. <laughs> Here's a guy who he loves his family, no doubt. Oh yeah. But you you can tell like he's like they initially kind of portray him as like the stereotypical workaholic dad, mm. who's kind of like he's there. They know he's dead. They know he provides. But he's really not there because you see the kids are kind of like mm. you can tell like he he's involved, but he's not really involved because it's like it's not that excitement. You can just tell like this is a household where mom does everything. Right. They see mom all the time, 24 seven. And dad is just kind of like they mainly see him at breakfast. He probably works long hours, which is why he's like he was dead tired. You could tell. Yeah, I slept great. Then he had that little moment on the edge of the bed where it was like. <laughs> Uh, gee, he had like that Al Bundy look, like Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. <laughs> but yeah, you could tell, like at least initially, he's detached from the uh, family environment. There, he's not really like involved, involved. Right, right, right. So here we go. Let's play the the, the dad jokes. The basically this whole thing is like classic dad stuff. How's everybody? Hi, right, Megan. Great trucks. What are we? 
What are we watching here, Kenny? Robots. Thank you. Grabs the baby's milk, pours okay. it in his coffee. Here's the joke of the day. What's green and rides through the west? The long pickle. Okay, they're on to me, hon. We're all on to you, honey. <laughs> That's them. There you go. You know what's you, you know what you know what's sad about that joke? Yeah. That is coming soon to a dirt sheet dudes episode near you. Uh oh. <laughs> At some point. But and point, you know, you got the little woman. She's debuting she's debuting your little one soon. So uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, jokes like that are coming soon, folks. Uh, please don't uh, please don't hold that against the downloads dude, or I've, me. I've I've already told trust me, Shaheen just looks at me sometimes and goes, Holy fuck, that's the worst joke in the world. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> many times i've already told those fucking these dad jokes um but yeah we got uh from there we go right into he's heading to work and he gets in the car with jeffrey tambor some other dude and christopher fucking lloyd who you really can't tell it's christopher lloyd until he says something the voice is uncanny. You cannot. I mean, Christopher Lloyd. If he does a voice in a movie or a TV, uh, that's Christopher Lloyd. That's Christopher Lloyd, most definitely. But uh, you know, and as soon as he pulls, he's waving to the wife. He's smiling. And as soon as he pulls away from the house, here we go. Oh, oh man, what's the record for the least amount of sleep ever? I think Lindbergh has it. Yeah, well, I think I beat him last night. You heard anything, Jinx? If I did, wouldn't I tell you guys? Okay. Now, this was in the 80s, the early 80s. There was a big car. Cars weren't selling well in the 80s at all. They had a very bad, I'd say, six, seven years for car sales in the 80s. And it was killing the car companies. Killing the car companies. So, again, there's some truth to this right here. Um, we see, you know, th- that's what's going on here is the car companies, and he'll say it in a minute, if you can't sell cars, you can't pay people. Car companies were laying people off le- left and right. Absolutely, they were doing this. Um, and right after this little car thing got settled, the airplane um, pilots started doing uh, striking left and right. It was just a weird thing that happened. But... um this was definitely a true thing, but I wanted to mention that because I remember this happening back in the, I remember my dad always bitching about it and this and that, but you know, well, I'll play, play the rest of the scene now, but I did want to let you know what they were asking about and why they were asking him. Do you know anything? Their, their, their jobs are basically, they don't know from day to day if they're going to leave there with their job. Pretty shitty feeling. Trust me. Not necessarily. That's right. You didn't tell Lou until after you chipped in for gas money. Hey, fellas, I'm telling you it's as simple as this. You, you can't sell cars. You, you can't pay people. Now, come on, come on. Relax. I like splitting gas money four ways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the evilness. The evilness of these people. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, from there they go in. They're working. And, uh... Don't worry, Anthony, your favorite part's coming up, the part where he knows nothing about Rocky. But um, <laughs> from what it looks like, he is a car, Michael Keaton, is a car designer. From what, is that kind of what you grasp from this right here? Uh, yes and no. 
Well, I mean, he says, you know, I like seeing it go from the drawing board to the assembly line to here. So that's what makes me think he's one of the engineers or designers here. Yeah. They never say. They really don't yeah, they, yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. They never really specify his um mm-hmm. his job description. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know, like, based on, like, because we don't really get to see a lot of him at the job, obviously, because, you know, he gets fired shortly after this scene here. Right. Um, but what would you say, like, what kind of, like, um employer employee do you think he was do you think he was well liked because based on the interaction it didn't seem like people necessarily disliked them but they kind of maybe viewed him as like kind of a nerdy type guy who wasn't really with the times on certain things kind of like a i don't know just a guy well he was one of the i mean look all the middle management that's what i'm looking for he's like middle management yeah and they do look at him like that but they also they're kind of look at him um Sort of like you know the 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 suit that comes down every now and then to check on the uh, the little guys, you know, and try and every every so often comes down to check on us under the guise of trying to relate, right? And tries to relate. It's perfect, perfect. I I I should have added that. Good. Yes, that is exactly how it was, man. That was exactly how it was. And again, this movie was you know in Detroit where. The car business was, like I said, booming for years, and then, blah. So, but, uh, yeah, this is where he comes down, and this is where he does do what Anthony just said. Tries to relate just a little bit to these guys, and he's down there with a couple of guys, and let's just do it. How you doing, Jess? Having a good time. I love it. You know, I love coming down here watching something go from the drawing board to the assembly line. It's a treat. Yeah, it's thrilling for us, too. Yeah, real thrilling. <laughs> What's the matter, boys? You look a little depressed. You worried about the Lions? They're slow starters. Don't worry, it's preseason. Hey, we ain't worried about the Lions. <laughs> what we worried about is the Lions. Amen. Lions? Yeah, unemployment lines, welfare lines, food lines, you know, all those lines. Lions. Lions. Yeah. You know, me and my wife went to the movies the other night. We saw Rocky. All right, now you see how he he was thinking of something to something to cheer him back up, something to take their mind off of it. All right, now I know Anthony, this is going to upset you to play this, but I, again, I think it was just—I don't think he actually had the Rocky problem. I I, I think it was the character. Now I do want to say there is a lot of Rocky references in this movie. We have this Rocky reference. They play the Rocky workout montage music, and at one point, when Michael Keaton goes into the kids' room to take the blanket, the security blanket, there's a Rocky Three poster on the wall. So there's actually a lot of Rocky references in this movie. I believe Rocky came out the year before this. Rocky Three. Uh, yeah, you're right. Rocky Three was eighty-two. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because that's what kind. Of, yeah, Hogan blew up uh, an AWA off of that in '82. There you go. Went to WWF the final year. So yes, yeah, would have came out the year before. There we go. So all right, <laughs> Chester Cheeseman, Lions being shitty, still relevant in 2019. See, this movie comes right. This is right in our wheelhouse, guys. There we go. Let's <laughs> let's now remember we're talking about Rocky here, or lack of Rocky. And I'm watching this movie, and I'm thinking. There's something about this movie that reminds me of the situation at work, you know? Which Rocky was it? One or two. Or three. Uh, one, I think. I don't know. 
Who is he fighting? Hey, did, did he have a mohawk? Like Mr. T? I don't know. I don't remember. The point is, here's a guy who's taking a pretty bad beating, you know? He's up against the ropes, his eyes cut. Was his manager dead or alive? Yeah. All right, forget Rocky. All right, forget I brought it up. Get it out of your head. The point is, when you're down, you're not necessarily out. You know, I mean, I mean, you gotta hang tough. I don't, I don't know. Jack Butler, report to the South Office. I gotta go, guys. See you later. Well, hang tough, baby. Yeah, watch his left. Watch his left. There you go. Oh, oh wait. Think so? He didn't see Rocky. <laughs> he didn't see Rocky. So there you go. Now we know exactly what's uh what's what's going on here. Again, Anthony, I like that he tried to relate to those guys and never works. Only oh, you, you know how to relate to those guys? Get down there and fucking work with them. It's the only way to do it. That's the only way to do it. You there, right, Anthony? I'm here. All right, I, I heard your mic do some noises. I just wasn't sure. You made some yeah. you made some weird mic noises, sir. But yeah, yeah, that he goes down. <laughs> goes down. He tries to, you know, relate to the boys. And like I said, the only way to do that is to work with those motherfuckers. Now I'm like, now I'm, <laughs> now Bob. <laughs> no, I was reading the chat. I know you I, were. Sir, I saw. I saw. <laughs> nah, box. Mm-hmm. Now, real quick, quick little uh, sidetrack here, which we were just talking about Rocky. Yep. So. They talked about the first. You, this would have been Rocky three. Three Rockies would have came out yep. by this point. Yep, yep, yep. Did you have Did you have a favorite one by this point in time? Out of the three that were released, I don't know how. Uh, I don't know if I had seen all the Rockies. I hadn't seen all the Rockies. I had seen three, but I hadn't seen one or two at this point. Because I think my dad took all of us to go see Rocky three. Ah, was I it packed that, at the uh, theater? I don't remember, dude, but I remember watching the movie with my enjoying dad. it. The only because I remember we we went and saw Rocky Five, and I hadn't gone to see a movie with my dad in years, obviously. And uh, we went and saw Rocky Five together. I saw that too. Underrated yes. fucking movie. We'll get to it. Trust me. Oh yeah, fuck anybody who uh, that was the worst Rocky. No, 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 no. Stop it. Stop that shit. Fucking blasphemy. That's Rocky blasphemy, goddammit. Um, but anyway, if you remember, he just got called up to the office. Kind of got saved by the uh, saved by the bell there a little bit, because those guys really thought he was full of shit, obviously. Um, he goes up to the office, and the first thing he sees is Christopher Lloyd choking Jeffrey Tambor. And um, this is kind of where we... Uh, this is a... a, a Real good part in the movie, obviously a very pivotal part because this is where we find out why he is Mr. Mom. Larry! Larry! Are you crazy? What'd you do that for? Why didn't you tell me this morning I was being canned? I couldn't say anything until it was official! Wait a minute! Wait a minute, guys! Wait! Jeez. You did it, didn't you? You fired these guys after all they contributed. Jack. Ah, don't jack me. After the support. Jack. Oh, man, after the devotion they gave you. You're fired, too. Now, you fired me. (laughs) I'm I'm fired? (laughs) You son of a... No! You fired! Not fired. Technically furloughed. 
Why don't you give me a break? I'm telling you, there's blood all over my slide rule. None of it's yours, Jinx. Oh, come on, come on. Something's gonna turn up. You guys, you guys are terrific engineers. You're too damn good not to catch on somewhere. Okay. I, I, I've never caught that. And <coughs> he just said engineers. Ah. He said, you guys are, and you, you guys are damn good engineers. You're too good not to catch on somewhere. Aha. I never caught that in this movie. Um, but, you know, uh, real quick, uh, you know what just popped in my head? I, if I, you, uh, no, no clue at all. If you listen closely, you hear JR in the background. You hear good old JR <laughs> telling, telling Christopher Lloyd, gotta maximize your minutes, kid. Mm. Gotta maximize your, make them count. <laughs> Because <laughs> yes. I swear, because you got to play the line at the end here. <laughs> oh, I'm done. I'm, 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 I'm playing more. Don't worry. Don't yeah, worry. Like, <laughs> it, it's not how long you're on the screen because we've seen movies where people are on there from beginning to end yep. and really don't contribute shit. But it's that it's always that one one person that kind of kept keep captures your imagination. They might have only been on the scene for like one or two minutes yep. or a couple scenes, but you remember them. So yeah. sometimes it's not all about being in the movie from beginning to end. It's about making what you do matter. Well, this is the last scene we see. No, you know what? We see him in one more quick scene after this, and that's it. Or actually, we don't. We don't see Christopher Lloyd. We hear him, I think, in the car. I don't think we yeah. see him. I'll we'll we'll find out in a minute. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, by the way, is Larry. The other guy is Stan. Larry and Stan do play a little part in a, a part, but not actually seen after. Another maybe three or four minutes of this of this thing, but um, I'll play a little more of this scene because you're right. Christopher Lloyd does do that, and you, he sticks out at this part at least. Oh, Jeffrey Tambor is nice enough to give him back gas money, prorated, of course. Full pro rata refund for this month's gas. Great. So I have one more thing I want. What's that? Disability. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! He tries to jump out the window and then he goes back to choking Jeffrey Tambor. Hey, he he pulls a Fonzie and Wawa. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, did you ever hear that story? No. <laughs> so uh, Bill Alfonso had um basically um he had the fame. You, you saw the famous match with Bueller where he bled like a fucking stuffed pig. I did. So basically, um, he didn't have insurance. So, uh, he goes, to, I, I forgot how they ended up in a Wawa, but it was like him and Sandman. <laughs> Sandman of all people, right? Okay. <laughs> Clowns one of those ladder gimmicks, you know, that they the stock the shelves. Oh boy. And he says he, do, he does one of these, uh, like the, like the guys try to do like the 450. He does one of those type bumps mm. <laughs> off the ladder so he can go and get, and get his shit fixed. And he, he also had like a couple of other lingering injuries that he got. Oh. But you know, you got you got to work the system so hard. So I want to say that this is what inspired him to do that. Well, probably. I don't know. Well, I, that's fucking nuts, man. That's hey, but hey, 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 bro. You, you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you do, you do. And he was trying to get that. He was trying to get that disability. I don't know that that from from the looks of that window, that fall might have killed him. I don't know. I'm just looking at it. It looked like there was a lot of pipes and shit back there. Um, but this is the last scene. We do see Christopher Lloyd one more time in one last scene. They these guys go out and obviously get hammered, 
and then um, immediately just pull up to uh, Jack, Michael Keaton's house here. And I wasn't going to play this scene, but what the hell. Oh, this way is easier. <laughs> hey, Jack. Yeah, keep in touch. Uh, I will, Larry. You all right? Oh, yeah. Okay, because remember what Jinx said. Keep that sense Show of humor. It's, it's critical. critical. <laughs> I love you, Jack. All right. Um, as he's getting out of the car, his wife sees him pulling up. She... She grabs the kids, brings them down. They're all dressed nice. They're going to have a nice dinner. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to be good to the, to, to daddy. And, um, basically the wife tells them both don't mention. We're not going to mention it. And of course, this is where we also find out that Kenny's got the big mouth and Alex can hold a secret. This is where we find out. And again, at the end of the movie, that will come into play. Trust me. Step two, hop two, three, four. That's it. Nice boys, you look real nice. Does Daddy know we got fired yet? Yes, he knows, but we're not going to mention it to him, are we, honey? We want Daddy to feel good, don't we? You hear that? He's coming now. Everybody smile real big. Hi, Dad. Hey. Hi. Boy, you guys look nice. What do you all have dates or something? Heard you got fired. Laid off. He just laid off, honey. Remember? Technically furloughed, sport. You're not a bum, are you, Daddy? No, but I'm working on it. Do you want my Whoopi? Oh, actually, I kind of would like it, but instead, I'll take a kiss. Okay, come on, everybody. Let's take dinner. We're having a special dinner tonight. What are we having? Colonel Chicken. Yay! We can't afford that. <laughs> and you know, it, it's funny. Kids are actually that thoughtful. They would give you their security blanket. If it makes them feel good, they would actually do that. If, if, if they know you're down, they'll, they'll do stuff like that. But, um, what is, you know what? Also, you, on that same, by that same token, uh huh. If you ever want an honest opinion of a situation, uh-huh. you talk to a kid or you yep. talk to an older or a really old person. Cause <laughs> yes. seriously, cause it's like both at that point, you're just, you're too young to know. And you're too old to care. That's the so it's like you you have no filter at that point. When you're yeah. like in that middle area, it's gray area. You feel like you still got you're still learning, finding your way in life. Mm-hmm. But when you don't when you don't know any better, and when you feel like you're on your way out anyway, you just start to speak with more of a no filter. Absolutely, definitely, definitely, man. But um, yeah, dude, just a just a really good part. And we also find out uh, little Kenny's a fucking rat. You know. We, we we do find that out once again. Kenny's a rat. And again, that'll come into play later in the movie. We'll at least hear it mentioned one more time. But, uh, yeah, Sensible yeah. Sam is saying this movie hits home. I It really does, man. And especially for someone who's ever... I mean, Anthony, I, I know you don't have kids yet, but uh, believe it or not, one day this show might pop into your head and you'll be like, damn, fucking Box was right. <laughs> this shit is fucking crazy. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but from here, we go to the next scene where they're having dinner. The kids are already done with dinner. And, uh, you know what else at home? What? Um, as I'm sure, like, you know, a lot of people that, you know, just got, now that they lost their job, 
She's, what do we have for dinner? Like, I think it was like KFC original. I heard original somewhere as far as the chicken. We can't afford that. No, no, she, <laughs> he, said, he said kerneled chicken. Oh, kernel. Which kernel, I think was. was supposed to be a, a kind of, yes, KFC. But, um, kernel, which is fried chicken. I don't know. Some people do call fried chicken kerneled chicken. Yeah, but, um, we, we can't afford that. And they kind of played it for laughs, but. Yeah. That's that, that. That's a real thing, though. When you don't know where that next check is going to come from, you start thinking about everything. Yeah, it's one thing when the money keeps rolling in, you don't think much of how how much you spend and like what you spend it on, but you start to count every penny when you don't have it. You don't. You can't rely on it coming in on a consistent basis. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It, it's it's like I said, man. I've 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 been in this position before. Like I said, six months, my older one was six months old when I got laid off. My, my, and then the second time it happened, um, Jesus, that was only like six years ago when that happened. And I lost my job for a a few months. Almost a year. Almost a year I was out of work. So I was was out of work for two years and it's it's not a fun experience. No, no. Imagine being with kids. Yeah, yeah. Imagine. I, mean, I, I never cared if I was out of work when I was alone. It just didn't matter to me. I didn't give a fuck. But man, when you got wife, kids, shit, bills piling up, it's fucking, it's fucking tough, man. It's fucking tough, bro. It's uh, you'll do whatever you got to do. And I, I was, man. I was out there still doing what I had to do. I had the limo for a while, and thank God I got rid of that fucking car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but humble, I mean, yeah, man. Good. Like if that, I, I, you know, you can probably speak to this better than anybody. If having a kid doesn't make you grow the fuck up, then you, somebody failed you in life along the way. If that doesn't humble you, yeah, to like get your life together and and like say like take stock of like what's really important, what you really got to work on. Somebody along the way really failed you in life and did you a disservice. Right. Cheers. <laughs> I'm sitting here getting drunk, but again, I'm, trust me, I've, I've definitely, like I said, I've drank a lot more than I used to, or I drink way less than I used to at this point. But, um, you know, they're, they're sitting here at the table. The kids are already gone, probably up brushing their teeth, getting ready for bed. Uh, that's usually what happens right after dinner when there's school the next day. Um, and they're having that awkward moment. That awkward, quiet moment where the wife's sitting across from him. She's quiet. He's quiet. She doesn't want to say anything to make him any more. Doesn't want to rile him up. But finally, he breaks the ice. And this is the feeling you get initially. And then it wears off. You know, I know this sounds crazy. But I actually feel great. I don't know why. I don't know why, but I feel great. I do, you know, because I don't know. Now I have the time to do some work around the house I've been wanting to get to. And, you know, we're in pretty good shape. Yeah, we are. For a while. Wait a minute, what are you talking about? What, you think I'll never get another job again? Don't worry about it. I already, already put the word out. What would you say if I did, too? If you did, too, what? Yeah, put the word out. All right. So this is another... Very short subplot of the movie here that we're about to get to. But um, what I was saying before we played the scene, though, is 
that is the initial feeling like what two or three hours after you actually get like lose a job you do yeah. feel you feel good for a while you're mm-hmm. pissed right when they fire you you're you it, it, it it's literally like breaking up with a girl you're really pissed and then you get to the point where you're like yeah fuck yeah i'm free i can i, I can do some shit that i want now and then after a while you're like i really want her back i need a job okay <laughs> i mean it's, it's it's kind of the same thing but uh it, right now he's at the high point and this is where we get a very short, I mean very short, subplot of the movie where they make a bet that she, either he'll get a job or she'll get a job. And the odds are very good in um, in Terry Gar's favor here, wouldn't you say? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. And 20 uh, to 1, I would say. Uh, pretty much 100 to 1, exactly the odds, which he says... Uh, here we go. I mean, I have a couple of years' experience in advertising. I have a college degree. There's no reason why I shouldn't try to get a job myself. Wait a minute, excuse me. Have I been missing something? I mean, has your phone been ringing off the hook? Oh, no, Jack. You think I... you're going to get a job before I do? Oh, Jack, this isn't a contest. No, one. This will be good. This is a good idea. We'll make it a contest. What? It'll be fun. I'll bet you 100 Jack. to 1. Oh. You don't get a job before I do, okay? Jack. Come on, doll face. Give me a dollar. I don't even have a dollar. Oh, you want to bet, but you don't have a dollar. Hey, I don't want to bet. Hey, I thought somebody said they wanted to bet. Where do I get the kids? I don't bet. I don't take bets. I don't believe in kids. Alex, Kenny, come here. I want you to know it's coming on my severance pay, too. Come on, guys, hurry. This is going to be fun. Guess what? I'm making Mommy a bet. Daddy's betting Mommy $100 to just her $1, but she doesn't get a job before me. Kenny, hold the money. I better hold it, Dad. Money makes me crazy. Good point. That's right, because Kenny's a fucking rat, and we know that. You don't give money to a fucking rat. He's a rat. His whole family's fucking rats. He's gonna grow up to be a fucking rat. Oh, sorry, I went a little, went a little off base there. But anyway, good idea. But yeah, now I don't know if I would get my kids involved in gambling, but um, no, I wouldn't get my kids involved in the gambling of it. I will tell them they can bet candy though. I would let him bet candy. But guess who gets the job first, Anthony? Hmm. Well, otherwise it the would one, be a very short movie, correct? I'm going to guess it's uh, uh, The Blonde. Yes, The Blonde does, because otherwise, again, this movie would absolutely fucking suck and be over. We'd be 12 minutes into the movie, and it would be over. So, of course... Let's go ahead and roll on here. Take the money, Carolyn. (laughs) Jack, I don't want the money. Look, you won. A bet's a bet. Jack, I don't take bets, and I don't want your money. Look, aren't you being a little hard on yourself? No, it's fine. I mean, you have applied to everything on wheels from Toyota to Schwinn. You're going to get a job any day now. Really? (gasps) Oh, oh, I'm going to be late. My first day, I want to make a very good impression. How do I look? You look great. You're going to make a great impression. Now, do you want to go over that list one more time? (laughs) No, I don't want to go over the list. Okay, let's go over the list. 
Now remember, when Kenny starts talking to his breakfast, that means he's finished, finished right? right? And Alex has to be to school at 7.30, and the pickup is 1 o'clock sharp. 1 o'clock. Now when Mavis starts rubbing her little ears, it means it's time for her nap. nap. Don't let her sleep past 11.30, because then she won't go down for her afternoon nap, which is at 1.00. 1 o'clock, okay. Now wait a minute, will she rub her ears again? All right, this kind of goes back to what you said earlier, Anthony. Mm-hmm. With the, you know, the mom does everything, the dad's not really up up, up to speed on what's going on. So she's trying to let him know what the hell he needs to do to keep this going. Um, and he's, he's ready for it. He thinks he's ready for it. I'm telling you, dude, that's exactly what, bro. I was like, this is a f- piece of cake, babe. Out of here. Do what you got to do. Go to work. Dude. No. It's, it's, it, it's nothing what you think. It's no. nothing, especially taking care of an infant at, you know, I had never, taking care of kids before i knew nothing but yeah six months old same thing same same problem it's just this movie is life dude this movie is life (laughs) and i and honestly like i said you know not to kind of you know paint the picture of you know roles and women should only do this and men can only do that this really kind of it, this this really did highlight that women are natural nurturers. Very the true. fact that, like I said, like if you just look at the movie, just like little details that even though you would think, oh, he's the father, he's the parent, he should know what's going on. It's not that he doesn't, but he's just not around day to day to do those minute details, taking them to and from school, driving them back and forth to school, making their lunches, knowing one one kid likes uh, peanut butter and jelly, right. one kid likes tuna, one likes uh chicken salad with the crust cut off you know you, you know what i mean yeah <laughs> those little those little details because a mother is around because a mother is going to coddle you and nurture you father's and, not, not necessarily going to do that they're yeah. not going to pay attention to those type of details yeah here's and, a sandwich eat it <laughs> and and most women are more organized they just have that organized gene dude i'm not saying all women but most women are more organized than guys they've got their shit together and they, and especially in a house where they kind of develop their own system, they like this yeah. here, they like this done this way, they know this goes here, they know this one eat, like you said, eats this, eats that, doesn't eat this, doesn't eat that. If, if you're a stay at home mom, which a lot of mom, you know, a, a lot of women used to be back in the, you know, late seventies, early eighties, it, a lot of stay at home moms. And if you were, that's, you knew everything, everything. So, damn that learning curve, bro. Damn that learning curve. <laughs> because it's, I mean, you're learning with children, living human beings. You're not, uh, you're not learning how to teach a, you know, you, you, this isn't forgetting to feed your dog, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or, or, oh shit, I forgot to feed the fish before I went to bed. No, no, no. You can't forget to feed your kids. Ain't going to happen. Ain't gonna happen, but um, you know, he, 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 in getting into it, he's taking his kids to school. Now the whole time he's driving, the kids telling him, "You're not doing it right." Another scene I wasn't planning on playing, but I'm gonna go ahead and do, uh, go ahead and play because it's it's just a great fucking scene. Like Sensible Sam says, he likes he liked one scene before, and he likes every other one after it. So I agree. Nuts. <laughs> Why are they all honking? Because you're doing it wrong. 
Tell me I'm doing it wrong. I know how to do this. Hi, Jack. I'm Annette. Hi. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> See? See, this is what I tell all my new mommies. We enter from the south and we exit from the north. And then we do just the reverse when we pick up. Swear, little ones don't have to walk between the cars to get to the learning facility. Okay, move it out. And remember, south to drop, drop off, off, north to pick Take up. Pick them up. Okay, it's a good system. South to drop off, moron! <laughs> All right, again, it's a learning curve. And it's a hard one at that, like I said. Um, but we do see Terry Gar at work here after that. She's, uh, you know, going into work. Already there's a secretary who doesn't like her um, because, you know, Ron has taken a little liking to her already. Um, but she walks into a meeting that is a, a, a nightmare. But before that, we get Jack Butler at the grocery store and they are tearing up the grocery store. Right, Anthony? Yes, this is straight out of the 80s. Yes. Honestly, honestly, this is like a staple of uh, sitcoms and movies from, uh-huh. I want to say, from 60s all the way up until about early to mid 90s. Where you'll see a scene in the grocery store with somebody who's never really, who's not used to shopping. Right. Let's put it like that. Not used to like, you know, need this, need that. And every man, every man, if you have, if you've ever had a girlfriend, a wife, mm-hmm. a mom, any type of, any type of female in your life that you care about, every man has had that moment where they had to go to the store and pick up an embarrassing product and had that asshole, uh, shopping attendant that just had to broadcast it. Hey, my, can I get a, can I get a price check on some tampons? This guy at the front needs to know how much they are. Fuck you. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to play, but now that you mentioned it, I'm at the scene. I've got it. And this is, again, where we get um, uh, Edie. That was uh, obviously, like I said, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. Pretty much any John Hughes movie, she's got a little part in it, something where you'll be like, oh, look who it is. Um, she's the redhead with the, the poofy hair. She's very Chicago. I mean, very Chicago. And without John Hughes directing this, I'm kind of, I'm kind of shocked that she did get in here. I mean, John Hughes may have written this, but he was not the director. Um, I'm wondering if maybe he still had some input that maybe no one knows about in this movie because this made it more of a John Hughes movie than it really had to be. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, here's the part. He's there. And, uh, dude, I, I gotta tell you, I will flat out refuse to buy these for my wife. I won't do it. I will not do it. I'm not that guy. <laughs> There's a few things I just won't buy for her, and she'll just have to go fucking get them herself. This is one of them. But, uh, here we go. And yeah, he does. He picks up the, the old Kotex maxi pads, and she just embarrasses the shit out of him. Celery. Oh, I think these are on special. Doesn't matter. Sorry. Let me check. Are these Kotex Maxi Pads on special? Never mind, Derek. Sorry, forget it. Kotex, 19 cent cost. Okay. So there you go. Just 
never a good part in the uh to never a good thing to do but a great part in this movie and once again i, I just i love that they throw her in all these movies and again i'm just shocked to see her without john hughes being the director it's just weird to me yeah so many relatable scenes in this movie um that that, that was the first thing because i hadn't seen this movie in like years yeah. of, you know and then when i'm sitting down wow, i'm like wow there's so many relatable things in this movie yeah yeah it's funny you see the old 1983 pepsi bottles in this movie and uh, the old Band-Aid boxes that were still metal. You oh, know? it's funny you mentioned Pepsi. Yeah. Remember when sodas used to come in the bottles? Yeah. they you could like, still, like the actual you, glass bottles? You, you could still get them at the grocery stores. They're expensive now, but you can still get them. Because they're, they're considered vintage. Yes, exactly. One of the best out of a bottle. IBC fucking root beer, dude. Uh. Oh. IBC root beer is so good. We used to, we used to fucking just fucking mix them with um, whiskey. Bring them into, bring them in places. No, it's root beer. Root beer. Oh, uh, you know what's good though? What? Stewards. Yes, another good one. Yeah, especially like the orange cream one. Oh mm. yeah. That that I hope, I hope mm, that that should never go out of style. Yeah. Ever. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, but okay. Now, this is where he starts losing his kids. <laughs> First, he loses Kenny, who's not in school yet. Then he loses uh, the little one, uh, who, geez, I forget what her name is. But uh, he loses both of them. And this is where we meet uh, Ann Jillian, or uh, Joanne, who is definitely the uh, the slut in the movie. I don't know if we can say that anymore, but... Fuck it. We're talking about a 1983 movie. In 1983, you could still call them sluts, and they liked it. So, so uh, here, let's play that scene right here. He does, after he loses his little girl, he does find her. Joanne is there. And after tearing this whole place apart and Irv getting calls everywhere, here we go. It's yours, and I'm Joan. Hi, thanks. Well, Carolyn told me you'd be around. Yeah. Can I get your hand? You can give me both of them. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> We were never in aisle seven. I'm telling you, honest. Not so easy, is it? Boy, I'll say. <laughs> Might even be the toughest job in the entire world. Bends your back, it drives you nuts, and it makes your boobs droop. So, don't be ashamed about asking for help. Mommy training can be very, very tricky, and I can help with sitters and shopping and menus, and even if you just want to talk. Here's my number. All right. Thank you. I'm sorry, what's this say underneath there? Anytime. Okay. Jimmy, what are you doing? All right, there you go. Oh, wait, let me get this next little line here. <laughs> He's married, so were we once. So you know where her mind is at. Obviously, you know where her mind is at right there. Um, and man, it's hard to believe that Angelian, you look at her in this movie, 1983. Mm. She took 20 years off before she. Yeah. This, this was her first major role in 20 years. She's done a few little small things, a little uh, TV cameo here and there, but dude, if it, her tits didn't, her tits didn't take 20 years off. They nothing, were, um, nothing on her. When you, when you said that, I was like, man, she didn't look. I'm like, 
she didn't look like she took time off at all. Like, I, cause I didn't even know this woman. Yeah. <laughs> and when you say she took 20 years off, I would have thought she would have been around the whole time. But dude, if you go back and look at pictures of her, she was gorgeous. And as of, uh, in, in this movie, still really, I mean, Jesus Christ, this, the, the she might be the original MILF. And she's not even a mom, but Jesus Christ, dude, unbelievable in this movie. Very, very hot. Obviously, a little home wrecker, but <laughs> but yeah, but you know what? By 2019 standards, that somebody, some asshole, would still try to find a would still find a way to make her the victim somehow. Oh yeah, they would still find a way to make her the victim, and Michael Keaton, the uh, the asshole, trying to uh, break up his marriage and yep. break up his happy home. Yep. It was your fault. Of course. You um, looked at her. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, you know, finally the wife comes home. It's nighttime finally here. And, uh, the kids are in the bath. And believe it or not, after the first day, you start getting a little bit of the hang of it, except for, you know, the little mishaps in the bathtub with the shoes on the kids still. But, um, I'm not going to play any of this scene. But, uh, yeah, you know, she had a horrible day. That turned into a great day, and um, this is where the next scene is the next morning, and Ron is coming to pick her up, and they're going to travel a little bit to the uh, the tuna guy. Schooner Tuna is the name of the company, and Michael Keaton sees Martin Mull coming up the steps, and he's like, oh my god, I... I, you know, I'm in a, ba- a bathrobe and pajamas here, and he goes and puts on overalls and tough man outfit, and this is one of the greatest lines from the movie coming up in a couple minutes here, but I need to play a lot of this scene, Anthony. This is one of the greatest scenes in the movie, and this quote that you're going to hear in a few minutes is very, to this day, I still hear people say it, just in joking. People my age, mostly, it's kind of a dad joke at this point, like you said, Anthony. But uh, we'll go ahead and get the scene going, because this is going to... By the way, real chainsaw, blade on, that he's walking in with here. And number two... I don't know what you need a chainsaw for to do anything inside the house. Just want to put that out there. Number three, if you look at the blade on the chainsaw, it's not turning. Even though he's revving it, it's because there's a break on the chainsaw. I don't know if anyone knew that. There's a break, a blade break, and um, that's why it's not turning. So it is real, though. You can see the blade on it. But, uh, yeah, here we go. Tough Jack Butler. Tough Poet and shooting enthusiast, Jack Butler. And contractor. How you doing? You must be Ron Richardson. I'm Jack Butler. Nice to meet you. Pleased to meet you. Huh? I say I'm pleased to meet you. I'm just waiting for Carolyn. Well, Ron, you know women. <laughs> yeah, I like to think I do. <laughs> Got a beer? Seven o'clock in the morning. Scotch? <laughs> Not during working hours. Oh, I'm sorry, pal. No problem. 
Come on over here, Ron. Let me show you what I'm doing. Taking advantage of some of the time off to uh, add a whole new wing on here. I'm going to rip these walls out and, uh, of course, rewire it. Yeah, you're going to make it all 220? Yeah, 220, 221, whatever it takes. Well, you sound like a pretty handy guy. The 220, 221, whatever it takes is one of the quotes I still hear people say to this day. Honestly. Uh, do you know what he's talking about, Anthony? No, break that down for me, Box. Uh, 220 volts, which, uh. which I never understood because your home, all the outlets in your home, my home, most homes in the United States are 110. That's how many volts are going through them. So I'm not sure exactly why he said 220. I guess he was just trying to trip him up, but, uh, all the, all the outlets in your, in your house, my house are 110. But um, basically, he was trying to trip him up by saying, what are you going to make it, 220, 220 volt, which would be a completely different plug also. Um, and obviously, he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. So, yeah, 220, 221, whatever it takes. So, there you go. Because from 220, you would go right to 240. I've hooked up way too many machines in my life, Anthony. Yes. Yes, yes. But uh, let's keep going here because this, uh, again, but that is one of the most... Probably one of the most notable uh, quotes from this movie right here. So, here we go. Yeah, well, I like to do a little bit of everything, Ron. I write poetry, I uh, paint, sculpt. Oh. Oh, Carolyn, don't you look nice. Oh, thanks. I'm sorry if I kept you waiting. Oh, not at all. I was just having a little uh, chat here with your hubby. Um... Jack. Jack. He's okay. oh, quite a guy. So, uh, I guess we better get going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jack, a real pleasure. Ron? <laughs> Very nice outfit, honey. Thank you. <laughs> honey, if you call and I'm not here, I'll be at the gym or at the gun club. Always a good thing to say to a boss you're intimidated by. the gym or the gun club i like that a great fucking line right there um but yeah yeah that that just a great little thing obviously again he is intimidated by this boss he sort of he has a feeling that the boss likes her and he's right but um you know just a little thing but uh from here they're up in the plane again. They're traveling. They're going to meet this. Uh, I think his name is Howard Humphrey in this movie. But, you know, they're on the plane. He's talking to her and he's a little concerned with the hours that uh, they're going to be working. And right away, let's go ahead and just get to the next scene. We are going through this movie pretty fast, actually. Uh, what's his name? Uh... Jack. And he just can't remember the guy's name. Jack. Um. What do you mean? Well, I mean, we're going to be working long, hard hours, and um, you might be coming home pretty late at night. And, well, if there's going to be a problem, I want you to tell me about it right now. (laughs) Well, there's not going to be any problem, see? Jack supports everything I do. As a woman, in my career, as an executive, he supports me. And if we can agree that you are an executive, Mm -hmm. then you can stop cutting my steak. Oh, Okay. Now the snickering in the background when he, they did that part is a little 
weird because it looks like they know what's going on. The employees of the company know what's going on. But uh, yeah, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, they're snickering in the background. But um, this is his first. This is uh, Jack Butler's first little shot at getting the house cleaned, cleaned up. They've got the kids stripping the beds. He's getting laundry done. He's doing this. He's doing that. And this is uh, you want to talk about. You think the first day was crazy. This day is even crazier. Um, but uh, let me see here. We go right here. And uh, they, like I said, the kids are stripping the bed. They go down. They're doing laundry. And boy, this Alex is a smart ass. I'll tell you that. Because and he's smart, too, because, you know, Michael Keaton's down there being the big dad. And I just want to play this line. I think it's hilarious what this kid says. Sure, we can. Get some more in there. You know, when your dad was in the army, we had to run a tight ship. There were no ships in the army. Just put this laundry in. (laughs) There were no ships in the army. You little shit. Shut up. Um, But yeah, he is packing the washer. I mean, packing the washer. Anthony, I'm sure you've done laundry in your life. Yes. Yeah, you, you can't put too much in. It will fuck up the washer. It will actually do what it does to this washer in a few minutes here. But uh, not only does he do that, but he puts a bunch of different stuff in it, trying to skip a few steps. And um, this is where it really starts getting crazy in the house. I mean, really crazy. We've got uh, we've got him doing skipping the steps, so the laundry's about to go crazy. We've got the the baby running around. We've got. Um, Knocking plants down. We've got, uh, ooh, Alex is cooking chili and flinging it everywhere. They get the vacuum. They've got the exterminator coming in. He's got the guy to come fix the water heater coming in. And he's got the girl to fix the TV coming in. Meanwhile, the chili is burning, Anthony. And burnt chili smells like shit. And uh, the vacuum is called Jaws. Let's not forget. The vacuum is called Jaws because it's uncontrollable. Uncontrollable, Anthony. Have you ever had a vacuum like this? Ah, uh, yes. It's not. It's not vacuums as convenient as they are. As convenient as they are, can be a pain in the ass to operate. Oh, I thought you were going to say as convenient as they are, they suck. Yeah. <laughs> see, I, I, I'm, see the I'm dad joke. Glass just, head full on my box. See mm-hmm. the dad joke just came in right there. There's that's I the know. dad joke. That was the dad joke. That was it. That was it. Yeah, I tended to save you on that one. But yeah. No, you don't have to. You don't have to. Dude, I'll follow my sword anytime. I don't mind. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> anytime. Anytime. But uh Jaws is going after little Kenny, the rat. And um you, you and uh, now we see that the uh the the wash the washing machine is actually just absolutely shaking uncontrollably, and finally it shakes enough to where the pipes, the water uh, hoses pop off. It's squirting water. Finally, he puts out the chili, Michael Keaton does. Basically, we get Hero Dad coming up right here. Um, All the stuff, but everyone ends up running out of the house, all the people that were there fixing it, because they're very scared of what's going on, which I think I might have, too. That's kind of a fucking crazy situation. Uh, but finally, we get uh, to the scene. Finally, the wife gets home, 
and she says to him, well, at least one of us had a good day. Oh, if you only knew. Uh, but uh, after that scene, Jack does go, and he has... It's not a job interview. It's uh, No, it is actually a job interview. And um, we go ahead, but I just want to point out what, uh, again, the car industry and a lot of people being laid off. So he's around these two guys who are in his situation. And uh, here we go, Anthony. Let's go ahead and play this part right here where these guys are sitting around in the old unemployment place trying to get some temporary employment. And here we go. Something simple. Oh, I got a hamburger Wellington that's out of this world. Well, great. Let me have it. Okay, start with two pounds of ground round, okay. lean and mean. Okay. Brown it in some butter. Yeah, pardon me. Uh, Could you use margarine in that or butter? Oh, n well, butter's my personal choice. I yeah, but butter can scorch. Higgins, you're next. Oh, why don't you go ahead and, and, uh, and I'll go after you. Well, you were here first. Oh, yeah, that's that's okay. I, I have no place to go, and besides that, there's not a job available anywhere in the city. <laughs> okay, Butler, I guess you're next. <laughs> I'd sure like to have a copy of that when I come back. Um, sure. It, okay, yeah. drink all the excess fat. Okay. <laughs> so you got the guys swapping recipes like the girls. You know... Anthony, I know you were insulted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I, I can't. I'm not. I think we're going to get over that feeling of being insulted because uh, we get a great tit shot coming up soon. Soon, but not just soon. yet. Now, I know not yet, but it's coming up. It is. It is. Um, now, this is where they're going to Ron Richardson's house. Uh, this is the scene. The. the this is the scene that breaks Michael Keaton and Jack Butler both here. It breaks them, is what it does. Um, and uh, he goes in, and obviously this house is beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's basically a mansion, is what it is. And um, they go in, and you know he's carrying the, he's doing the, he's doing the dad thing. He's got the pink, uh, the pink diaper bag. Don't fall asleep on me, motherfucker. He's got the pink. Oh, <laughs> he's got the oh you heard that? Damn. No, fine. <laughs> Skull candy. I'm wide awake, folks. Don't worry. Wide awake. All right. He's got the pink backpack on. He's pushing the stroller. And, you know, Martin Mull makes a little jab at him, which uh, gets him into this little um, race that he has every year, which is obviously a, a fun, supposed to be a fun race. But uh, don't worry. We'll get into a few more of the scenes. But uh, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, we're on. Very proud of her in the children are and we're all real proud of her at home yeah. she earned that promotion i can assure you jack it was a little promotion i forgot to tell you about it, it was no big deal <laughs> ladies and gentlemen welcome to the rickerson Prime annual Rick olympics but well you're a sportsman i was kind of counting on you to take part in this you know uh, spouses are eligible yeah i i don't know uh, Oh, come on. Nobody takes it seriously. It's just good, clean fun. I know, Ron. Normally I'd say, yeah, but I'll tell you, we gotta get over to see uh, Carolyn's Aunt Emily. She's sick, dying. And... Dead. Well, why don't you stick around for a few minutes anyway, and you can uh, watch with the rest of the wives. I'm sorry. I mean, families. Yeah. Tell you what, boys, run down to the car and uh, get that sweatpants and shoes and stuff. All right. A little shot to the ego there. 
And um, here we go. Jack Butler enters the race. What do you think of that, Anthony? Um, hey, I'll be honest, man. Like, I didn't know what to expect from this one. I, I was actually pulling for old Jack. Yeah, but he does the right thing. He throws the race. Yeah, I, I don't know. Now, in a situation like that, Box, what would you what would you do? Would would you put your wife's needs ahead of your own, or would your pride be like, no, I can't lose to this motherfucker. Sorry, baby, but I can't lose to this motherfucker. I can't. I'd 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 probably do the same thing he did. I probably would. You, you would know. do the honorable. You would do the honorable thing. Yeah, dude. I would. I would. I would do the job. I'd do the job. I would. I would listen. I would do the job. But uh, it's funny. These guys. You, you see these guys over here doing the, these fake stretches, trying to like work out. <laughs> One of them's doing it with a fucking Lowen brow in his hand, a beer. I don't even know if they sell Lowen brow anymore, dude. It's not bad. It's actually good beer. I like it. It actually tastes very good. Just don't know if they sell it anymore. But uh, this is where he finds out, though, about a little bit about the race, and they're a little worried about him because they know he's an actual athlete. Which they never mentioned anywhere else in the movie, so I'm not sure where it came from that he was an athlete. It's mentioned nowhere before this scene. So, not sure where that came from. But uh, here we go. It's like we've got ourselves a little competition this year. But over there's a real jock. Oh boy, that's all we need. Yeah. Relax, Butler. You're not gonna win anyway. Why not? See that good? He's the boss. It's his tournament. You get it? Yeah, but I don't work for him. <laughs> oh, but your wife does. There you go. Um, I still say I would have done it. I would have done the job. I would have. But uh, this is a really funny kind of race, though. Uh, they start off the race, they're wearing flippers, you know, and then they go through little kitty blocks, and then they do a tricycle thing, and uh, Jack is winning. He is winning, and he takes a fall, and Ron wins, and he's up there. I swear to God, dude, he's up there like Daniel Bryan. Yes, 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 I did it, I did it, I did it. <laughs> yeah, you know one thing that I, looking at this scene that I hope never comes back ever, ever again? What? The short shorts. Jesus Christ. Yeah, those old short shorts from the old, uh, the, 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 the late 70s and the early 80s. Yeah, yeah, they were pretty short back then. Yeah. Especially the, uh, especially the, the athlete shorts, they were, they were real tiny. Yeah, you know, and along the same line since, you know, it's the theme of the movie Rocky, uh, Rocky yep. Four. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Lots of short shorts in that one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Jack does take the dive and dude, it breaks him. Anthony, it breaks the poor guy. It does. It does. It just breaks him. But I mean, you know, he gives his wife the look. He sees that she's just like, oh, my God, don't win, don't win, don't win. So he does what he has to do. That's what a guy does, dude. But uh, this breaks him. Literally, the next scene 
you know, they don't tell you how long it is, but it's obviously a few weeks later. You see old Jack Butler. He's got a beard. He's just got a white T-shirt on. He just looks like shit. He's a broken man, Anthony. A broken man is what he is right now. That's what happens when you throw a race. That's it. That's what happens. So, uh, yeah, he's broken here. But, um, you know, he's going around the house. He's drinking early in the day. Um, okay. okay. When did this turn into uh, the life and times of Bob's man? No, I don't day drink very much I, anymore. Remember that growing up part? That was part of it. I can't day drink anymore. I love day drinking, dude. I love it. I got to be out, but I like doing it when I'm outside and like like at a barbecue or something. That's when I like day drinking. I don't like day drinking around the house. I'm going to fall asleep if I do that shit. But if I'm like at a barbecue or something, I love day drinking outside. A barbecue, a pool, that's fine. But no, I just can't day drink in the house, Anthony. <laughs> Jesus, I'm not, I don't drink all day. I drink, with, <laughs> I drink with you guys. That's why the Hollywood hangout. I hang out, I talk movies, and I drink. God damn it. For, for some reason, Bob, you, you talk about day around a barbecue. Mm-hmm. Why do I get this mental picture of you like a, um, almost like a hat, straw hat guy? Famous ECW fan, just walking around. No the straw hat, Hawaiian shirt, wide open. <laughs> no straw hat, no Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> no, sir. Baseball cap and a uh, and a t shirt. That's more like it. That's more like it. But uh no. No. This, this, I mean I've been here I mean, I'm not gonna say I've never done the day drinking while I'm home. I've done it. I've been here I've been right where he is before. Without the soap operas. Because that's what he's doing is watching soap operas. And that's the exact next scene I want to get to where he's just a bearded man doing laundry, getting his shit together. He's got a pile of laundry. And uh, he's a beatdown guy. And he starts watching the soap operas. And this is the first thing he says when he starts watching them. This is how it, this, this is how it starts. Please. Please kiss me once more. You know where that's going to lead to, don't you? I, I want it to lead there. I want to feel alive again. I can't believe people actually watch this stuff. Okay. So, Anthony, he goes from, I can't believe people actually watch this stuff, to he's literally bringing the TV into every room <laughs> that he's doing work in. And just absolutely hooked on it. This is how these soap operas used to be, dude. Literally. They would hook people in. But, I mean, I love this guy right here. He's drinking the old Miller Lite pony bottles. He's got his bucket in it. Now, Anthony, this bucket right here with ice and beer brings back memories for me. You want to know why? Florida. Yes, sir. Me and my friend, Rigel. I've mentioned him before. Uh, his brother Nigel also, he he was in, and my friend Jorge George, who is actually Greek. I never knew understood why we called him Jorge, but he loved the name. Anyway, all three of us used to, uh, on a Sunday, we would get a bucket like this, ice, 
we would get two limes and we would get a two 12 packs of Corona and we would just drive up and down the beach <laughs> drinking. See, that was when I would day drink, Anthony. We would just drive up and down the beach with a bucket of beer drinking all fucking day. God, how did I never go to jail for DUI? Um, anyway, easy there, Ooze. Oh, I'm I'm telling you, man. I'm 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 very lucky. Some of the shit I made it through and didn't either hurt myself or somebody else. So that's why I'm I'm keen to it now and don't even do that stupid shit anymore. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of funny seeing him there with the old bucket of beer and every room he goes into to do some work. He's got the TV with him. He's dragging the TV with him. And he's getting a little bit lazy while he's doing it. Uh, little Kenny walks in with a, or Alex walks in with a grilled cheese sandwich and he uses the iron to, to heat it up for him. Um, Kenny walks in with a, a, a his, his whoopee ripped and he staples it. But, uh, he cannot get away from these goddamn soap operas. That's the problem, Anthony. So here we go. Let's get this soap opera. Here we go. He's hooked, man. He's hooked. Okay, listen, I'd appreciate it if you guys kept it down, okay? Because uh, Nikki's going to get the results of her blood test back today. Is it Kevin's baby? We're not sure. Kevin's a skunk. Yeah, Kevin gets all the girls. You sure about Nikki? <laughs> my mother doesn't want my father, but still we've managed to make a life together. So you can just forget about this annulment of this divorce yeah. because I'm not going to go. Hi, John. How you doing? Uh, it's got to be Kevin's. Victor, how can it be Victor? No, he got a vasectomy. It didn't take? Are you kidding me? All right. Now the uh, popcorn machine starts going crazy. But again, he's hooked on these soap operas at this point. Um... And Anthony, now is where the card game is. Your titty part. Yes. Yeah. What? what was this your favorite part of the movie, Anthony? Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes. This is where they're sitting there. They're playing poker. Um, and he's playing poker with all the girls, Annette. Joan, another one, I, uh, two other women I, that you really don't get their names in this movie, but they're just there. Um, and he's down there playing poker with the girls. And finally, his wife comes home. And you, while he's doing this, though, right when his wife comes home, old Angelian, old Joan has the cards right by the old titties. And I almost played another song, Anthony, before we came on today. I almost played it. But I don't, but it would have taken this long to get the reference to it. But I almost played one, a different song right before we came on tonight. Hold on a second. You know what? I'll go ahead and play a little bit of it here. Hold on. Okay. Let me hit stop here. Let me move this over. Let me put the song in. And I almost played this tonight. But again, it would have taken forever to get the goddamn reference. So here we go. Titties and Bear. Titties and beer, titties and beer, titties and beer. I thank God Almighty for titties and beer, big titties and beer. Hunting two-legged deer, titties and beer. Thank God I ain't queer, 
titties and big hair. There's one thing that he likes, and that's titties and beer. Big old titties. I had a titties and beer. Great big titties in my beer. I almost played that. <laughs> titties and beer. Who doesn't love titties and beer? You know you do. Oh, yeah. Me too. But I didn't play it. Like I said, it would have taken too long. See Weeb's nose. Good combo. Uh, by the way, that was, uh, Rodney Carrington there. Texas, right from Longview, Texas. Not far away. And, uh, it was Rodney Carrington doing a little titties and beer. Um, <laughs> how do I know that song, Anthony? Don't ask. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, when Carolyn, his wife, comes in, uh, just sees him with all these girls and obviously can see that Joan is hitting on her husband and actually has his, her arm around his husband. And she's not very happy about that, which I don't think any wife would be. Um, so he finally throws the girls out. Time to go. They see it's time to leave, actually. And, uh, he goes upstairs and here we go. This is where the wife gets mad. This is the argument. This is where it turns to shit. Here we go. Well, if I wanted something to eat, Jack, I would have come down and had something to eat with you and your girlfriends. All right. Let's get into it. Get into what, Jack? Get into this. The house is a mess, Jack. The kids are a mess, Jack. You're a mess, Jack. I'd leave anything else out? Want to talk about the beer? All right. The beard's in its transitional stage right now. That's all. When it comes in, it's going to look great. And it's going to look like a movie star, uh, what's his name? Orson Welles? No, I'm... Oh, Orson Welles. <laughs> oh, I get it. Fat jokes, right? That's real uh, funny. Yeah, I put on a couple of pounds. So what? Come on. What else do you have? You want to talk about this shirt for a second, Jack? All right. You've been wearing this shirt around the house for about two weeks now. It can walk around by itself. Why don't you retire that thing to the Dry Cleaning Hall of Fame, huh? Because it's a comfortable shirt. Jack, take a look at yourself. You've really thrown in the towel, honey. My brain is like oatmeal. I yelled at Kenny today for coloring outside the lines. Megan and I are starting to watch the same TV shows, and I'm liking them. <laughs> I'm losing it. Honey, I know what you're talking about. I've been there myself, all right? Well, if you were so unhappy, why didn't you say something about it? Because I wasn't unhappy. Look, maybe I was a little confused. Maybe I was all a little right. frustrated. But I... That's pretty much the good part there. But yeah, dude, it's uh, it gets like that, dude. When you start watching the kids' shows and liking them. I've been there, man. Megan, that's the girl's name, by the way. And uh, yeah, dude, I've been there. We use it. Uh, uh, now, my kid used to watch this show called... Um, Oh my God. What was the name of that show that drove me fucking Yo Gabba Gabba? Ugh. Oh God. I literally wanted to grab my gun sometimes. Absolutely horrible. But yeah, dude, these kids now have in, insane shows. But, uh, yeah, dude, I've been there to where a few of them though I like, like, and some of the movies now aren't bad. Like Cars. Cars is actually a good fucking movie, man. <laughs> Have you ever seen the original Cars? No. Not a bad movie. Not a bad movie at all, actually. Um, but anyway, from here, 
From here we go again. Jack is drinking during the day. He's just getting fucked up. We see the kids outside. He's sitting in there watching the soap opera. And he's kind of fading away. We see him a little bit. Gets a call from Joan. Joan comes over, of course. Uh, we do, you kind of realize it's, 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 it's a dream a little bit when Joan comes over. Um, and she's basically comes over in lingerie and a jacket. Um, and again, it's sort of a, it, it is a dream sequence. It's kind of with the soap opera. It's got a soap opera feel to it. Um, but yeah. He's literally, let's see here. You know what? I can go back. I'll back up a little bit and I'll play a little bit of this. We got time. Here we go. Joan, do I look fat or uh, overweight at all to you? I like a man with a little meat on his bones. That's too. Okay, how about the beard? I mean, um, Carolyn hates the beard. I know. What do you think, Anthony? Angeline and lingerie, huh? Mmm, mm, I agree. That music made me, made me think was well, were you still working with Mister Mom, or was this going to turn into something else? No, no, no. <laughs> About to say no, but uh, we do get Terry Gar coming home here, and um, he's in the middle of kissing Joan, and oh, screw, it. let's just play more of this. <laughs> Joey, you're supposed to be my friend. He's too much man to be left alone, Carolyn. <laughs> really? Honey, what are you... Please, Carolyn, come... Yeah, she pulled out a gun. It's just a, a one kiss. I'll bet. Honey, what about the kids? The kids are just outside. I've thought of the kids. The kids won't hear a thing. <laughs> Shoot me. And then she pulls out a silencer with... Which, which again, it's illegal in the United States. Has been since actually. The funny thing is, since 1983, silencers have been illegal in the United States. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, great fucking gun she has here. Nice nickel plated, little 45. I like this. I like that. Actually, it's a, it's a, it's a 40. Would really, is. but a nice gun, nice gun, nickel plated. Very expensive, very expensive. But uh, we'll keep going a little bit. God knows I'm guilty. I deserve it. Tell me something, Jack. What did it, huh? The boredom? The repetition? The days, one flowing into the next? The loneliness? Well, I did it, Jack. I did it for eight years. Don't you think I know? I say goodbye, darling. They fight, the gun goes off. Jack takes a <clears throat> quote unquote bullet uh to the shirt. And he loves that shirt, Anthony. He even says it. I love this shirt. No. But uh does the old dramatic dying. Again, remember we're in a um a soap opera dream sequence here. But uh he's doing the dramatic death. He even goes between the chalk lines, which is he even scoots over to get in the chalk lines, which again is hilarious. But um, 
once again we get a little uh, a little a little scene from uh, Jeff Tambor here. He stands over him and comes back. This part I'll play too. Here we go. Couldn't hold on, could you, Jack? I was coming by to call you back. Holy cow. What'd you use, a 38? Uh, 38, 39, whatever it took. A little callback to the joke before, 220, 221, whatever it took. Yep. Yep, little callback. We'll go ahead. Bye, darling. Tough luck, Jeff. Jack! <laughs> you bet. Jack! Jack! So he finally wakes up, and Joan actually does call right after he wakes up. Um, and he, he checks his shirt, of course, right when he wakes up, makes sure there's no hole in it, because he loves that shirt. But uh, here we go. Phone rings. Oh, no. She comes to the door. I'm sorry. I can't, Joan. I can't. Uh, you can't do this to me. Do what? It's time for our poker game. The girls will be a little late. Ah, uh, there's, uh, there's no game today. The game's called off. Why? Because there's a death in the family. I'll explain to you later. All right, before we get to this, this is it. The broken man becomes the token man right now. That's what he does, Anthony. He gets up, he shaves. He's getting everybody in shape. Not just himself, but everybody. Kind of. Uh, he's still drinking while working out. But, uh, Anthony, we gotta hear the music. Get us pumped up for the last part of this fucking movie. Let's do it! So it shows him he's cleaning these cleaning windows. He's taking boxes down. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's painting the fence up, down, up, down, painting the fence. He even took control of Jaws, the vacuum. Huh? You like that? Jaws did what he fucking told him, didn't he, Anthony? Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn right. Yeah, he's down there may, making the girls work out. They're doing jumping jacks. Like I said, he's still drinking. But yeah, uh, but I, man, I ain't, I ain't gonna lie, man. This part here, especially, no doubt, no all jokes aside, was my favorite just because of that Rocky music, man. Like to this day, man, anytime you hear that, if that don't get you pumped up, pumped up, you don't have a soul. <laughs> you don't have seriously. Just, <laughs> you got a point. You got a point. I'm telling you, man. You do. You're right. Just don't have a fucking soul. But, uh, yeah, that movie does get, that, that, that's smooth, that, that, that fucking music just gets everyone fucking pumped up. But, uh, yeah, man. Um, now, he goes down and he burns that shirt that he's had on for weeks, the flannel shirt. And little Kenny is looking at him, the rat. And, <laughs> and, uh, Remember, he had the security blanket, and this is where we get the talk. 
And Anthony, again, I know you don't have kids, but there are certain things that you do have to talk kids out of. My son didn't have a security blanket, but he did have a toy that he brought to bed every night that eventually broke that we had to talk him out of having. It's tough, man. I mean, they literally make you feel like you're taking their universe away. So we get right here, Michael Keaton, Jack Butler, and he has a little talk with his with his little son about the security blanket, Whoopi, as we've come to know it as. Here we go. You and I have to have a man-to-man talk here about your Whoopi. Your Whoopi's looking bad, bud. Now, wait a minute. Now, listen to me. I understand that you little guys start out with your whoobies and you think they're great. And they are. They are terrific. But pretty soon, a whoobie isn't enough. You're out in the street trying to score an electric blanket or maybe a quilt. And the next thing you know, you're strung out on bedspreads, Ken. That's serious. Now, give me the whoobie. No. Kenny, come on, man. No. Okay. Give it to me for a couple of days. If it doesn't work, you got the whoopee back. Please. You got a lot of guts. Can I have... A moment to myself, please. Absolutely. You got it. There you go. Kenny gets rid of his whoopee, his security blanket, his 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 life right there. His yep. everything. Lies in bed without it for a minute, seeing what it feels like. And uh tough time for a kid right there. Tough, very tough time. But uh he gets through it. He gets through it. And um, after that, they start again. This guy turned into like father of the year. Suddenly he's making making dinner for his wife, who ends up not coming home until very late at night, Um, misses dinner with him. But uh, you'd figure he'd be pissed, but he's not. He's not at all. He comes down. They do a little nookie which they don't show in this movie because it's a that kind of movie. But um, now, after all the dinner-making and nookie, we get to the point where they're finally going to meet, and again, I think his name is Howard Humphrey, the, uh, the president of Schooner Tuna. And right away, she's, you know, they're going to meet him to do, this is it. This is where they're giving all their advertising stuff to him to make their uh make their pitch the first group comes out and they are not happy here we go how's it going in there huh like having your gums scraped you're on so soon it didn't take humphrey very long to shoot down every idea we had looks like you're the ace in the hole kid I'm ready. All right. She's ready to go in. Uh, and again, yes, I was right. His name is Howard Humphrey. And um, 
let's just hear what her idea would be. Okay. Too old Howard Humphrey. First, you gave away four glasses with every can of tuna. Now, as I recall, you were stuck with 60,000 of these, right? What is this? This is your life? <laughs> now, uh, bear with me. Next came 100 free trips to Hawaii. Now, who knew there was going to be a hurricane that month? You were stuck with 100,000 of these flower lays. I hope to hell you're making a point. Well, I am making a point, Mr. Humphrey. The point is, schooner tuna is one of the three most expensive tunas on the market. Now, if we want to beat our competitors, the time for these gimmicks and giveaways is over with. Now, I don't mean to be disrespectful, Mr. Humphrey, but housewives need your help, not your gimmicks. Show them that you really care about their problems, and you'll win their loyalty. Now, this is what I propose. Schooner Tuna sympathizes with those hit so hard by this trying economy. To help you, we are reducing the price of our tuna by 50 cents a can. When this crisis is over, we'll go back to our regular prices. Until then, remember, we're all in this together. Signed, Howard Humphrey, President Schooner Tuna, the tuna with a heart. All right, <laughs> real quick. Now, he brings up, or she, I'm sorry, brings up the economy. If you remember, we did a little movie called Wolf of Wall Street. And this is the year the Dow tanked, which is one of the reasons people weren't fucking buying cars. They didn't have the fucking money. They did not have the money. So that's what she's trying to tap in, into here. Um, <laughs> and uh, boy, Martin Mull doesn't look happy, does he? <laughs> to say the least. And um, he's embarrassed. And I'm going to keep playing this real quick. It's playing, I promise you. Well, you've got a plane to catch. <laughs> I'm really sorry, Howard. I'm well right you're sorry. Yes, I am. Where in the hell have you been hiding this little girl? She's not just selling tuna, son. She's selling America. Right. The tuna with the heart. I love this bleeding heart shit. That's, that's American. That's what that is. That's what I think. <laughs> Well, there's more. More? There is. Yes. <laughs> Carolyn, congratulations. There you go. So out of nowhere, he actually loves the idea. Um, kind of weird. He loves that. Uh, that, that, that um, it, it, take this movie, bring it to 2019. He, just it's just the same thing. Eh, maybe. Little bit. Little bit. America. America. But uh you know, definitely kind of a weird thing. Obviously Martin Mull embarrassed there. Didn't think that the the guy was going for it. Suddenly he's like, fuck that, man. This girl is amazing. Where have you been hiding this bitch? Um and now we go to Halloween. Now, Anthony, before we go to Halloween, I got to pee. So we're going to take a pee break. You okay with that? I hope so. <laughs> because I'm doing it anyway. All right. We're going to take, I'm going to take a quick pee break, guys. We will be back in uh, very quick. Let me go pee real quick. And then we'll be right motherfucking back. See y'all okay. in a minute. You hit record, you sure? Yes, I hit record, <laughs> goddammit. All right. I'm done peeing, everybody. <laughs> I did hit record, Anthony. All right, I am done peeing. And guess what? We're at Halloween now. It's Halloween in the uh, in the Mister Mom world. And um, again, 
we got kind of uh super dad, right, Anthony? A little pretty bit. much, yes, sir. Pretty much, a little super dad. Um, you know, he's doing everything right. He's finally got everything down. He's, you know, joining the PTA and shit, whatever you want to say. But um, he's again. It's Halloween. The wife is traveling, uh, and he's a little upset, and he's trying to just explain things to her. And uh, let's go ahead and play this part, since we're getting right back into it. Two hours notice, and you're off to Los Angeles like that. Jack, there is nothing I could do about it. I convinced a man today to spend $11 million on one of my ideas. I gotta go. Besides, honey, there's going to be other Halloweens, you know. I know there will be other Halloweens, but I'm thinking about this Halloween. I mean, Carolyn, these kids in a couple of years are going to outgrow this thing. Oh, really? You don't seem to have outgrown it, Jack. All right, I admit it. I like Halloween. Yeah, well, so do I, honey. Remember I was going to dress up as a prison matron tonight? Point is, Megan just cut two new teeth. I bet you didn't know that. Alex is playing football. Remember Kenny's security blanket? He doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't use it. It's gone. You know, if you were here... I was going to suggest you go as a ghost, because even when you're here, you're not here. Carolyn, we really have to get going. Hey, Madison Avenue, lighten up. <laughs> All right, Jack, what do you want me to do? Not go? Not try? Not succeed? Of course not. I want you to succeed. Hun. You gave me some real good advice once. So now let me give you some of mine. It's real easy to forget what's important. So don't. All right. So once again, we got the whole role reversal. This is usually what the wife would be saying to the husband in a movie. Um, you know, suddenly you're off again. Uh, so kind of, the, you know, it, it, it blends right in. It's really a. It's actually an important part in this movie. Because, you know, he's telling her things that he used to hear, I'm sure, and now she's hearing them. And again, that role reversal is kind of where this movie gets the name, Mr. Mom. Go ahead, Anthony. Oh, yeah. Oh, I well, thought you were saying something. <laughs> all right. No, I'm sorry. No, I had a slight statement issue. Sorry about that. No, it's all right. That's all right. Um, now we're going to the point where he... Michael Keaton, Jack Butler, is uh, he doesn't have a job interview. He actually is uh, going to see the people that he used to work for. And I never really understood why he was going to see them. Um, but he does meet the babysitter and he's not leaving the kids with the babysitter. Um, she looks like a emo kid today. And uh, he takes the kids with him. I never really figured out why or what the point of him going to see the 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 new job was, but uh, he does go in uh, finally, and again he's got the kids with him, and this is the information he gets, and this is where we find out a little bit about uh, Jeff Chambora, his jinxie in this movie, and uh, here we go. To our records. Since you and your associates left, production in your division is off by 23%, and costs are up 19%. you have any explanation for that? I'm a little confused here. I'm no longer with the company. Uh, I don't know. You might ask Mr. Latham. We have. Anne. Sorry, Jack. <laughs> I covered for you guys as long as I could. 
You covered for us. Yeah. That's a lie. That's not true. Come on, Jack. Larry and Stan were in here. Now, they already admitted that I covered for them. Now, come on. It's time for you to be a stand-up guy. Larry and Stan would say anything you wanted them to say. They need their jobs. You want me to be a stand-up guy? Okay, I'll be a stand-up guy. I need my job, too. But what's going on here is wrong. If I did such a bad job, why did production go down and costs go up after you fired me? Huh? Look, I don't know what this guy told you. I don't know what he does with his books. I'm a car maker. I make cars. I'm not an accountant. But I'll tell you something. I take a lot of pride in my work. All right. So basically, if you think about what uh, Jinxie is doing in this, his uh, his old boss, is he was pumping up numbers that weren't really happening. And then when Jack left, the numbers became real and he couldn't cover them is what was happening. Yeah. So basically he was, like Jack said, cooking the books basically and and probably pushing the people to get out numbers that were impossible in order to keep up with those numbers um but then when jack left no one would work obviously and it came to light that the production was bullshit see that's that's basically what's happening here um but uh his kid does walk in here and uh, he's, he uh, he says basically to jinx what I would say to him. We'll play this part, and then we're we're almost done with the movie. Dad. Oh no, son, son, you're gonna have to get out of here now. This is a meeting. Just a minute, Alex. Daddy's talking. I know that's not real popular right now, you know, taking pride in your work. But I did. I cared. You fired me for it. If you ever talk to my kid like that again, I'm knocking you out. All right. Pride in your work. Hmm. You can't do that anymore. That's ass kissing now. That's ass kissing. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> I'm right, Andrew. Dude's exactly what we've been talking about, isn't it? Pretty much. Oh, and I and I do want to say this before I forget about it. Uh huh. I think I figured out why he was back to see his old bosses. Uh huh. He was a. I feel like Jeffrey Tambor really put him in a position to basically be the fall guy. Yeah, I I think you're right. I never thought about it that way. But he also mentions Larry and Stan, which means he kind of conned Larry and Stan into just sitting up there and taking the fall. And this was the last guy he needed to make to to keep his job, basically. So yeah, yeah, yeah you're probably right on that. Um, but again, I did mention he was with his kids, his three kids, and uh, from there they go in and they're tearing up the bathroom and. <laughs> The president and everybody else walks in. Just a funny little scene. Everybody sits there and looks at each other, and not a not a not a good moment, but a, definitely a funny moment. Um, from there, we get uh, Caroline. Carolyn, sorry, is uh, doing the commercial with the Humphrey guy, and once again, Ron is kind of hitting on her during the commercial, taping a little bit, um, and then. This is where, Anthony, we see Jack going out with the girls, and they take him to a dick bar. Yeah. Um, 
week. Yeah, huh? the cr- cruel joke on this one. I, I, I thought this had to be some type of rib. Like, <laughs> you're stammering a little bit, here, Anthony. What's going on here? What's going on? That's it. I thought that scene was uh, a kind of a rib. How about you? Yeah, might have been. I don't know. It was it might have been a rib on Martin Mull. I don't know. He he probably wanted to be there, but um, <laughs> I never understood the dick bar. The, and obviously I'm talking about a male strip club for those who don't know what a dick bar is. It is a male strip club. And, uh, I don't know why they take them there, but, uh, it does actually play into a part of the movie coming up right now where he does go back to his house after the girls take him. And Annette was babysitting the kids and he knows why now because, uh, she knew where they were taking him. Um, but the kids want to call the wife and he doesn't want to do it finally he says okay because annette said it's only 8 30 in california but while he's doing that ronald mr richardson very 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 powerful last name he has uh mr richardson uh goes into carolyn carolyn's room her hotel room and he sneaks in there, to be honest with you. He doesn't go and he sneaks in. And this is right when Jack calls. Again, she doesn't even know he's there. She's taking a bath. And he starts changing the radio station. And the phone rings. And this is where we pick up another scene right here that I'm going to play. Roll Alex who? I don't know. Some guy. Is Carolyn Butler there? She's in the tub. Who is this? It's her husband. Who the hell is this? Okay, so he's pissed. Obviously, I would be too. (laughs) This is where she runs out, realizes someone is on in the room, (laughs) and uh, here we go. Who's that on my phone? Oh, wrong number. Ronald, what are you doing? Well, somebody has got to pour the champagne. <laughs> You've been drinking a lot, haven't you, Ron? Moi? <laughs> yep, a lot. I think I'm going to have to ask you to leave now, okay? Why? There are no kids to go home to tonight. Ron, get out. <laughs> we could make a great team, Carolyn. Really? What the hell is that supposed to mean? Well, basically, you dump Jack, you marry me, and it's Richardson, Frankel, and Richardson. Come on. What are you trying to tell me? Is you in love with me? <laughs> oh, hell no. But the client is. All right, Ron. This is my official warning to you. Get out! You are so adorable when you're angry. Ron, get out. No, I'm not kidding. Ron! Oh, don't be coy. <clears throat> oh, trying to play hard to get, huh? All right. So he hits on her, and she hits him. I like that. She's a tough woman in this movie. Tough 80s woman, Anthony. Yeah, it took a while, but yeah, she grew a set coming, going for, going towards the end. <laughs> wow, that really does play into 2019. She did grow a set because in yeah. 2019, women have balls too. Lady balls. La- yeah. Well, no real balls. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, this is where we get to uh, now from there. She's trying to call home, which they imply we don't know it but jack is not a happy camper 
Aren't you going to answer that? That's the fourth time it's rung the last hour. Oh, do you want me to answer it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, here we go. Hello? Okay. Oh, nobody there, I guess. The look on this woman's face is priceless, dude. This is acting like 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 the highest level of acting in the world. This woman actually like, looks like she is in fear of her life right now. Doesn't she? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She yes. really does. She does. She looks like she's in fear like like literally this man just turned into fucking psycho. Like Norman Bates just walked in the fucking room or something. But yeah, hey, you gotta sell it, man. That that's what it's about, dude. Selling. She totally did. I can't believe she didn't get like nine million. I can't believe this woman isn't like famous right now. Uh, but yeah, he's pissed, and obviously she's scared and does the right thing. Oh, well, you probably want to be alone, huh? Yeah. Okay. Good. Alrighty. Well, you try to get some sleep now, okay? And don't worry, my lips are sealed. All right. So obviously that's probably not true. But uh yeah, he gets pissed here. He breaks the TV. And um so now he thinks the wife is cheating on him. Um Annette does tell Joan who speeds over there. And by the way, she is in Anthony. We got to talk about this car a little bit for just a minute here. Oh, she is in one of those classic 1980s which Blended directly into the 90s because they did not change body styles in the 90s. The Mustang 5.0. Would you get one of these if you had the opportunity to? Yeah, I would. I would. So you you pull a Leno, just get it, just to, you know, store it up somewhere? Just just to keep it, I would. Uh, Now, my friend had, did have one of these. Almost, uh, this one was convertible. He had the non-convertible, the hard top notchback, just like this one, but it was that hunter green. It was a real nice green. Uh, my friend Matt Dvorak had it, and when he bought it, it was already pretty souped up. He was a rich kid and um, didn't know how to drive a stick when he bought it. Of course. I had to teach the guy how to fucking drive a stick shift. Good man, Box. Yeah. You could have let him drown, but that was nice of you. Well, that means I got to drive it for a while. <laughs> you know, Florida's tough. And I know you're like, well, Florida's probably all flat. But when you're on those fucking bridges, it's not as easy as you think to keep those fucking uh, those five speeds in uh, in check and not hit the car behind you. So... It was. It, it, I got to drive it for a good two weeks while he learned how to drive a stick. It took him that fucking long. The guy wasn't that bright, but uh, you know, still a damn good friend. I still talk to him. I talk to him a lot. So, uh, but yeah, Annette tells Joan about it in her badass car, and she takes off and uh, goes directly over to the house. Which again, this little home wrecking bitch. Home wrecker. Nice tits, though. Well. Most home wreckers have great tits, Anthony. I don't know what to tell you, but but uh, here we go. We're gonna go a little more. Oh shit, we already played that scene. We're already at the this, damn. We're really at the end of the movie, aren't we? Um, yeah, we flew through this one. We really did. And uh, here we go. 
But once Joan goes to the house, let me forward forward a little bit. Joan goes to the house, and um, she's in there. Jack invites her in. He's doing all kinds of work in the house. I mean, the house is torn apart, redecorating everything. And she ends up in the room, and he's changed the room. And the first line she says, and this is where this part's going to be a little bit long. I'm going to play a lot of this. I'm not going to lie. But uh, this is where he gets nervous because he realizes that Joan is up in his bedroom. Hey, Jack! I love what you did to the bedroom. Thanks. It's amazing what you can do with a Sears card. That's from their safari collection. All right. This is where he starts breaking down all his... Like, he breaks his life down in alphabetical order here. We hear some of it. Here we go. You got a problem? Okay. All right. A. She's an attractive woman. B. She wants you, Jack. She wants you bad. C. I didn't want to think about C. D. Kenny and talk. Alex. Can Alex be okay? Kenny and talk. C. Kenny's a fucking rat. Right back to the fucking beginning, Anthony. Kenny's a rat. <laughs> All right, and he's he knows a kid, it. Though, man, cut off some slack. He's a kid. No. Johnny dangerously knows a rat when he sees one. All right? He's a rat, you see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's keep going. It crack. All right, right now in the movie, um, Carolyn is pulling back up to the house because she, uh, she left early. We'll find out more about that as we go through, but here we go. Carolyn pulls back up here. And uh, she sees Joan's car in the driveway and obviously is suspicious right away. And I'm a free agent. And I could be in the middle of it. I could have a heart attack. I could die. Carolyn walks in, sees me there. And I die and get caught. Joan? What are you doing in my bedroom? Huh? This is my bedroom, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, what are you doing here? Is it too early for a drink? All right, why? Why did I get rid of that whoopee? Z. All right, so real quick, before he gets to Z, he still feels bad about the whoopee. This is what dads do. They always wonder, did we do the right thing? Was that the smart move? Is that going to fuck him up later in life? Dude, I swear to God, we go through the same shit, man. We do. <laughs> Pretty much. It's like the Lion King, the real Lion King, not yeah. the bullshit that came out. Uh, it's the circle of life. It is, man. And all you can do is do what you feel is right and hope that it doesn't fuck him up later in life. But anyway, let's get to Z. 
because Z is a very important part. You're not going to do anything. Because you, my friend, are in love with your wife. Joan. Jack. Carolyn. Well, now that we have the name straight, would you mind explaining to me why I come all the way home to talk to you and I find another woman in our room? Oh, look who's talking. I called your hotel. Richardson answers the phone and I hear champagne chilling in the background. You heard that? Ha ha! Now, I'd appreciate it if you just don't talk to me right now because I'm doing my best to calm down, all right? Excuse me, I have a household to run. Oh, Jack! Jack. All right. This is Jinxie showing up here, the uh, Jeffrey Tambor, and um, he's coming back to ask Jack back to work. And again, it's kind of, again, this is a little reminiscent of the little dream he had back in the, uh, back when the Joan came over. It, it's all sort of a, a back to the dream again, the dream sequence that we saw earlier, but he changes it. You see what he did there? You see what they did there, Anthony? Yeah. He changed the sequence. Almost like a time machine without a time machine. There you we know, go. And ultimately, like I said, you know, both in both cases, but this movie proved that men don't cheat. We're angels. When given the opportunity, when presented with a, a pot of gold, so to speak, laid before our feet, we will always do the right thing. Of course we will. I'm yes. Gonna, I'm gonna be just, like Jack. I'm 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 gonna just stick with that. Absolutely. Be like Jack. Be a butler. Yes. Be a butler, gentlemen. Uh absolutely. We would never do that. I mean, we have willpower. Um You know what? Let's keep playing the scene, Anthony. I'm, I'm <laughs> in a lot of trouble. Look, I'm not talking to you. No, no, please listen to me. Um, I cut the department to the bone, and they caught me. I've got to have you back. I'll do anything. Dad, is Mommy home? Not now, kid. I'm talking here. I warned you, Jinx. Oh! He said, you talk to my kid like that again, I'm knocking you out. And he did it. The kid is the most proud of anybody. <sighs> Gee, one punch. <laughs> you want a company car? All right. Now we get um, Martin Mull coming back in, Ron Richardson. Now, remember, well, not remember, but by the way, all the people that were in the scene originally that left ran out of there, scared are there. The uh, bug guy is there. Actually, just two of them. The bug guy and the TV girl are there. And uh, here we go. I'm here. Hey, don't hit me, Jack. I like what you've done with the place. Take a new tube. Run! Carolyn, I am begging you. Humphrey's going to pull the whole account unless you come back to work. I told this guy last night ten times that I quit. What did he do, make a pass? I, I just got a little out of hand, and she belted me. You quit your job? I didn't like that job. I'm going to get another job, a better one. Anyway, I miss my family. I thought you loved that job. Thanks. How about three days at the office and two days at home? Thanks. There's no way to do that. I need a person in their pocket. Jack, will you listen to me? Management wants you back. Jack. Thanks. Uh, Basement's clean. Okay. Oh, thanks. Look, he's offering me full salary and a company car. What do you think? You're kidding. Take it. Okay, look, Bert, tell him I don't make a move without Larry and Stan. He doesn't make a move without Larry and Stan. Oh, you got a deal. <laughs> Who are Larry and Stan? Thanks. For a working yeah. woman, can't you understand? Can't I'll you tell you something. Oh, yeah. thanks. Larry and Stan. 
You really hit him? <laughs> Don't you think I know how to take care of myself? <sighs> Hurt your hand? No. Missed you. I missed you too. All right, so obviously everything is fine here. Um, and of course, we've, we, we, we built up to the commercial for Howard Humphrey, the president of Schooner Tuna. So you know what, Anthony? We got to end with playing it, don't we? So here we go. Let's go ahead and play the commercial, and then we'll wrap this up. My fellow Americans, I am Howard Humphrey, president of Schooner Tuna. All of us here at Schooner Tuna sympathize with those of you hit so hard by these trying economic times. In order to help you, we are reducing the price of Schooner Tuna by 50 cents a can. When this crisis is over, we will go back to our regular prices. Until then, remember, we're all in this together. Schooner Tuna. The tuna with the heart. There you go. So the movie wraps up nicely, obviously. Uh, he gets his job back, which he lost in the beginning. She's back to work, but going to be home more. Um, it's kind of a, it, it's the happy 80s ending, Anthony. Yeah. The father has a better relationship with the kids. Mm -hmm. And yeah, everything kind of comes full circle. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And that's pretty, and let's face it, that's, oh, excuse me. That's kind of how John Hughes movies always go. It always ends up great at the end. Um, if you were to really look at this movie, and again, I, 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 when I first watched this movie, it was Thursday, and I completely forgot that it was written by John Hughes. Completely. I mean, I even messaged Anthony like, holy shit, did you remember, did you know this was a John Hughes movie? I forgot. So. It, but if you really look at it, you would think it was directed by John Hughes. It's hard to believe it wasn't because it really had that feel to it, especially like we brought up before with, you know, Edie being in the movie, which she's in every John Hughes movie. Um, it, it felt like a John Hughes type movie, but it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't. It was not directed by him. So, but, uh, the story obviously came from him. Yeah, kind of makes you wonder. He kind of maybe it was a a deal where he uh shoot directed it, but wanted it kayfabe because just in case the movie wasn't well received, he kind of like had plausible deniability. He Vince Russo did. He was like 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 when like when uh like when he was consulting for TNA. Yeah, he was consulting. Yeah, yeah. except yeah. obviously we didn't have Dixie spoiling emails back then. Uh, yeah, plus, there was unless no you unless you were there on set, you wouldn't know. Right, swore everybody to secrecy. You sign a non-disclosure agreement, something along those lines, and yeah, yeah. out of respect, since the guy that passed away, like nobody will ever truly know. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how you know. That's that's kind of how I feel. But uh, yeah, man, this, uh, again, this movie, my one of my mom's favorites. I remember watching this with you know sitting down and again we had the beta movie like I said in the beginning the beta we would watch it all the time. This is a really great great fucking movie. I I know it's a very old movie Anthony so it's kind of uh a little different for you to watch this movie. I don't I, I, have you seen this movie before or was this your first time watching it? 
Uh, it's been a long time. Right. Like, I mean, because it's a lot of those movies from back in the day. Like I said, I have a soft spot for 80s movies. I mean, I would say, uh, from the 80s, I would say Breakfast Club is probably my number one. All right. But, but it's just like so many movies from that time period. Like, um, Mr. Mom here, even Baby Boom. I mean, not necessarily my favorite, something I go out of my way to watch whenever it's on, but I'll watch it from time to time. And I will put Mr. Mom in the same category. Yeah, I could go with that. I could go with that. But I mean, it, it's, it's definitely one of those, uh, the, you know, it, it, it's the feel good movie. It's again, it's very John Hughes, feel good, great ending. Um, you know, nothing too offensive in it. John Hughes had a, a, wrote, did very good at those family oriented, great movies, you know? Yeah. And he just had a knack for just, even though he was uh, an older guy, he had a knack for writing for kids and young adults. He, yeah. he had a knack, he had a knack for just being able to relate and having like having his finger on the pulse of what was going on, man, because one movie that I, we will get to at some point, who maybe next show, Breakfast Club, he really had his finger on the pulse. You wouldn't think that a guy, because he had to be, what, maybe early 30s, mid 30s? But he. he see. Here, during that time period. Let's see. I've got it right here. Let me go up to his name, right click, open new tab. John Hughes was born. Let's see. This movie was 1983. He was born in 1950. So he was already in his 30s when making almost every fucking movie. I mean, he was in his mid 30s when he made Breakfast Club. He was early th- playing. Oh, yeah, he was in his mid to late 30s. Very day off. It was 1986. Yeah, so I mean, mid 30s obviously isn't old. No. But it, 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 it's, it's pretty far removed from being like a teenager and like having your finger on the pulse of what's kind of cool and hip. Yeah. So for him to be able to still be able to relate to those type of roles or those type of characters and right, that, that speaks to like, just like having that connection, having your finger on, that's called having your finger on the pulse of what's going on. Yeah. With no, you know, remember in 1983, no internet, no, no yeah. social media. It was just, you know, you somehow had to just know what people were thinking and, I mean, just to think he was 37 years old when he made Ferris Bueller and how popular that movie still today is. I mean, you make a Ferris Bueller reference to anyone, even it's amazing, you know, anyone in their teens right now and they still know it. Yeah. And even that, even that, as, as simplistic as the plot to Ferris Bueller's Day Off was, even that had a message to it. That sometimes you need a day. You got to seize the day and and not be so caught up in your routine and work and school and just learn how to just live life and appreciate the moment you're in. And even a movie like that had a yeah. life message to it, and I feel like that's why kind of has that kind of staying power because people kind of take those moments. You seize the day, seize the moment. Yeah, yeah. And John Hughes also really had that kind of knack for just kind of being able to put in a movie what people are really going through at the time you know and obviously you know during the 80s it was a it was a weird time everybody was just getting out of the fucking 70s and that was a you know crazy time because in the 70s they were just getting out of the fucking vietnam war and shit and 
Yeah. It was just I mean, the eighties were just a. It, it it was a weird time. Everything was changing, and yeah, it was crazy. Speaking, man. Yeah, speaking of having a knack, though, two movies that I really think deserve a little bit more credit. That he really had a knack for, like you talk about having a knack for something. Sixteen candles and pretty in paint. Like <laughs> think about that for a minute. Yeah. He like like seriously, like those movies are like, especially for like if you're a teenage girl, are still relevant to this day. And it's like it's weird that those movies you would think would be like headed by like a female, some mm-hmm. top female type director. Mm-hmm. Written about John fucking Hughes. Yeah, and you know, I still say John Hughes. And I've I've never heard Kevin Smith say it, but I kind of think that's kind of where his some of his inspiration came from. I've I've never heard him say it, and I don't know if he he's ever said it before. He may have, but I I kind of feel that's some of his his inspiration because he kind of works like John Hughes. You get your cameos in each movie. You get the same characters in a lot of movies. With John Hughes was known for getting the same, especially when he was directing the same characters and. Not all the same, but he would get this, uh, a lot of the same actors to be in his movies. So I, I kind of just feel like it was uh, that was probably a that was probably a big influence on him. I would love to be able to pick his brain a little bit and find out if it was an influence on him. Man, well, you might you might have the chance because um I, I, we should have brought this up last week mm-hmm. on a pop up episode. So apparently, uh, him and uh, Jay Jason Muse are going to take it on a road. Uh, yeah, they're going to take the movie on the road, and I, I want to say Texas is going to be one of the stops where I guess they'll screen the movie, then do like a Q and A. Yeah, and by the way, Jason Mewes has a movie coming out. Oh yeah, you mentioned that. Uh, yeah. at, well, it was off air last week, but yeah. Well, it was not even off air. It was a few days later. I didn't even know. I actually have to figure out the name of the movie. I I, I forgot it. Uh, but August third, coming up in just a few days. Uh, the day before my birthday, <laughs> um, we are actually uh, Jason Muse has a movie coming out. I'm pulling up the web. Uh, I'm pulling up something right now to find out. I'm actually pulling up our uh, page here, Facebook.com/slash Hollywood Hangout. Check it out, and uh, let me check out that Jason Muse thing because he does have a movie coming out, and I didn't even know this, but it actually looks kind of cool because it's. It's 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 about him trying to go from a comedy actor to a serious actor. Is what I'm reading. Um, Madness in the method. So he's going from a like jokey ser- like a jokey comedy actor to a serious method actor in this movie. Um, so uh, yeah, August third that'll come out. I don't know where it's coming out, but uh, keep an eye out for it. So there you go. But uh, I don't know, man. I got nothing else. What about you? Oh, I figured we really did break this fucker down. As we, we did. usually do. <laughs> we did. And we do. We dissect. We break down. It's what we do. And uh, that's it. Anthony, I know you're tired. I am too. Everybody in the chat, I really appreciate you guys joining us, staying up late with us. We are thinking about changing the night and the time making it a little bit better for everybody a little bit earlier for everybody um that's probably going to be after the summer right anthony yeah 
Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Let's, Old school, uh, yeah. Let's stick with the summer right now, and we'll go with everything right now. But I uh, definitely appreciate everybody. And uh, if you've never seen Mr. Mom, go out of your way to figure out a way to check it out. And um, Anthony, appreciate it. I will see you fucking Wednesday night, Brian. On Dirt Sheet. Same to you. There Thank you, you to the uh, box. Thank you to the uh, listeners. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all the support. We appreciate it. And we're going to keep going strong. But like Box said, just going to change a few things around. But we're still going to be here. Same bad time, same bad channel, and all of those fucking cliches. Absolutely. And uh, don't forget to check out Hollywood Hangout now on iHeartRadio. We're also on Spotify now, Spreaker, um, Jesus Christ, everywhere and anywhere. You can find podcasts. I guarantee you'll find us. Uh, There you go. Take it easy, everybody. Have a good evening, and we will see you next time on the Hollywood Hangout. Take it easy, y'all. Later. Peace.